Podcast. I am your host, Blake Mayfield, and I am here today with the business partner of uh, often guest Ken Zierley here at Compass Sports Cards in Running, California, Mr. Sam Jaskar. Sam, how you doing, man? Good. How are you today, Blake? I'm very good. Thank you. I appreciate you for uh, coming on and whatnot. It's very cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I want to give a special shout out real quick to all the listeners. Thank you guys for listening on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. And uh, also, I have podcast hats. I have hats for all three of you guys, actually. I wanted to keep it a thing till. We were on the air, but the one Perfect. I'm wearing right now, there's one for each nice. of you guys. So Thank you. I brought three just in case. There you go, Hayden. There you go. Look so at, yeah, look at you buttering us up already. <laughs> Sorry about the dog hair, but oh, you, you know good. I got two dogs. So um, if you guys want free podcast hats, let me know. Uh, Blake Mayfield 23 on Instagram. Blake Mayfield on Facebook. Just send me a DM asking for one. It's totally free. I will give you one, no problem. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. So. I met you through Compass Sports Cards. I met you here, I guess, in the old shop mm-hmm. uh, on like a Thursday morning, and uh, now we're over here and whatnot, but I want to take it all the way back. When and how did you fall in love with sports cards? How long has it been something prevalent in your life? Well, I'm going to age myself here, but uh, I've been a sports card collector since late 80s, about four or five years old. As soon as I could fathom what the pictures were on the cardboard, I've been collecting. Started with 88, 89, huge Griffey guy, so chased, chased everything, Griffey, 89, 90, all that stuff. And it, the obsession in the hobby just kind of continues to grow, and so the excitement's there. That's how I basically started was I was a big Griffey Jr. fan growing up. Tried to model my game in Little League and stuff around his swing, um, although I was the right-hand side of the plate, not the left-hand side, but I still try to emulate that swing. Where did the Chicago Bears fandom come in? Well, was it the 85 Bears? Was it was it Walter Payton's sweetness? I mean, where did that come from? I, I would love to tell you it was the 85 Bears, but I was two years old then, Blake, so probably not. Um, my mom tells a story all the time of my uncles were huge Redskins fans, and the Redskins were playing the Bears in the playoffs, and I just like to be a little shit, I guess. So <laughs> my uncle said... Uh, if you walk to me, I'll give you this watch. And then my mom said something about, say, Redskins, and I said the Bears, and they were playing the Bears. And then I just have been a Bears fan. But I will forever love sweetness. Uh, my opinion, one of the best running backs to ever do it. Never ran out of bounds, ran through people. Um, so my Bears fandom goes back a long, long time, and it's been a rough, treacherous road. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, it's been, dude. Jesus, man. Because they only have the one Super Bowl win, right? I think they have like NFL championships. They have a ton of NFL championships way before I was swimming around in my dad's nutsack. But uh, <laughs> but in 85, I really can't remember because, like I said, I was two. Um, but that to me, that Neil one Ravens is the best defenses of all time. Those will go down in the history in 50 years as the two best defenses to ever do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, how'd you meet Ken, man? You and Ken Zierly, how'd you guys become business partners, and how did that all go? Because you guys are polar opposites, dude. Whenever I first met you, you were the 
you see more of like the business guy where he seems more like the the fuck around like just kind of like uh like your homie in, in the shop he doesn't seem like the guy that owns the place right uh <laughs> It's a so my my wife shout out to Rochelle she uh, lives here in Reading and I work on the coast during the week and so I split my time and um, my son Hayden now he uh, he came to live with us back in December and I was kind of trying to get sports cards to get him interested in something so I was looking for a sports card shop and then I was buying from some flippers and stuff like that so then I found just to open some product when I was here and then. I stumbled across the shop one day, walked in and saw what was on the shelf and was kind of like, uh. So I overpaid for some vintage 2015 stuff that was not very good, and which was fine. And, you know, it's a local shop, you support local and all that stuff. And then our business relationship started to grow when I could get 21 uh, Series 1, and then I started, I can get products. So then once that started to establish, it kind of just morphed organically into what we are now but yes we are polar opposites you know he's it he's, works well though it does work you, you well kinda, you kind of got to be well there's a yin and a yang there's a balance you know you have to have somebody that keeps you grounded and also you have to have that outgoing person to do that but you also have to have somebody that's also like super business savvy as well so it's kind of one of those things you know what made you want to own half the shop well, like where the idea come in like how many conversations deep did you get with Ken when you guys were both like hey like let's make this work and also I don't know if you want to give away the source I don't know if you can but how are you able to get your hands on all these boxes man Jesus Christ I, do, I don't want to give away my source because I didn't figure. Um, it's just some distribution um, and it's just making contacts through the years of collecting and that kind of stuff um, we had bunches of conversations and it was it, it basically came down to I'm looking for an exit strategy at some point to stop abusing my body every single day because I do construction and so that toll on my body at 50 years old is going to be pretty massive so at some point I need to find an exit strategy and set myself up and set my set Hayden up for the future set my family up for the future so that's where it came down to was like all right hey let's make this work let's figure this out you know let's 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 do something. That's where the excitement started to grow, and the potential in the sports card market is insane, which we which we're going to hit on later. But yes. yeah, yeah, I was going to say we're going to hit on that in a few minutes. I want to talk about more about the Chicago Bears stuff. So before we get to the Justin Fields and exciting future that you guys have now, I want to backtrack. For some fucking reason, dude, I am I call myself a Trubiskaholic. I call myself a Trubiskaholic. I love Mitch Trubisky for some reason. Um, him and Jay Cutler were the last two like franchise quarterbacks, basically. You can't even call either one franchise quarterbacks. So let's be real, Blake. I mean, uh, you guys did go to the NFC Championship with Cutler. We okay, and, uh, and then he rode the bike for yeah, the second half. Yeah, you know? you know, I mean, we're talking franchise quarterbacks. You can almost go down every team in the NFL besides the Jets, 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 <laughs> and name a franchise quarterback that they've had, and you're like, okay, that's a legit franchise quarterback. Jay Cutler, to me, doesn't strike me as a franchise quarterback. Very good quarterback. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. And Grossman, nah. Trubisky. Um, I forgot I'm, about the Rex Grossman. I still, well, Grossman took us to, uh, took us to the uh, Super Bowl against Peyton Manning, and Devin Hester runs the first kickoff back, and I'm thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to watch a Super Bowl victory from the Bears in 06. And then I got Peyton Manning. Um, right. You know, just like a hot knife through butter all game. It was it was hard to watch as a, as a Bears fan, but uh, yeah. 
none of those guys are franchise quarterbacks, and and we'll talk about it when we talk about my excitement of Fields. Um, it's been a long, treacherous road with the quarterback position in Chicago. Um, Chicago has this philosophy: we're gonna roll everything up and try to throw it against the wall and hope it sticks, and it just hasn't stuck. Uh, trading up for Trubisky in the draft, trading from three to two to take Trubisky when nobody else in the NFL even was breathing on Trubisky, and you pass on Deshaun Watson, who was coming off a torn ACL at the time, and uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's now the face of the league, right, is pretty gut wrenching if you're if you're a Bears fan. So knowing that I traded up a bunch of picks to go take Mitchell Trubisky, who's now backing up Josh, Josh Allen in Buffalo, right, you're like sweet. I feel great about this. Right. But, yeah. They traded up from three to two? Yeah. To take Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, they were fearful the Niners wanted the kid at NC that started 12 games, too, I guess. I mean, I don't know. And name off the top of your head, if you can, because I can't, an NC quarterback that um, was successful in the NFL. I thought he was Duke. I thought he went to Duke. No. He was in North Carolina? Yeah, he went to North Carolina. Okay, so he went He's to... Tar Hill. He went to... A basketball university and was the second that's my thing dude like these are basketball colleges man like i mean why? you're playing at chapel hill uh i guess you could say i played at chapel hill and then most people assume you played basketball uh not trubisky he played football but yeah i mean it's frustrating <laughs> <laughs> no other way to explain it right these are the top five picks and Jesus, man. So Miles Garrett, which he's turned out to be one of the better. Yeah, Miles Garrett's a great player in football. So Miles Garrett, fine. Yeah, he, and ask you Mason know. Rudolph how hard he swings a helmet. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> Solomon Thomas, who's not even on the Niners anymore. Yeah, but he's a, he's a Colt now, and they at least that's a good defensive player. He's a solid defensive player. Right. I mean, at least he's a starter. Right. Third overall's very high, but. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, Leonard Fournette, who had a year or two in Jacksonville and is coming off a Super Bowl title at Tampa, so his career's panned out decent. Also got ruined by LSU and the Jacksonville Jaguars over rushing him with no offensive blocking. And, I mean, he's got a Super Bowl ring now, so can you right. really, I mean. Yeah, you can't play. Four is fine. Mm-hmm. Four is fine. Corey Davis to the Titans. That That is the fifth pick. And then I guess Jamal Adams to the Jets is six. So that's actually not too bad of a first round besides Trubisky. Well, why don't we keep going down there and you tell me who went, like, uh, <laughs> nine and... Okay, CMC. Yeah. Oh, number eight. Yeah, like Chicago couldn't have used CMC. <laughs> Chiefs. Pat Mahomes. <laughs> ten. Yeah, weird. Right. Deshaun Watson. Twelve to the Texans. Yeah. Uh, man, who else do we got? I mean, even OJ Howard to the Bucks. OJ Howard was good. I know he got hurt last year. Well, but, and you know that's just another weapon that Tom Brady's going to have back this year. I mean, they're going to roll out a starty or a tight end room of. O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, and Rob Gronkowski. That's pretty legit. Right. Yeah, 100%. Even T.J. Watt went 30 to the Steelers. Yeah, exactly. So that shows you how deep that draft really was looking back. And the Bears took Mitchell Trubisky with yeah. second overall. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thanks for rubbing that in, Blake. Yeah. You're just turning the knife right now. <laughs> I like the Chargers. So, char- I mean, Ryan Leaf is just all you got to say about that. Well, let's get into Oh, field, you mean so. crying Ryan Leaf. <laughs> I remember the 98 draft when people were saying he was better than Manning. Laughable. Yeah. You look back now and it's laughable, but you looked at arm talent, you looked at everything in that draft, and you could make a case for that Washington State quarterback because Washington State had pedigree in the NFL with Drew Bledsoe at that moment. So you can look back and you can see all the peripherals that he had. You could see why they could think that he was going to be a huge prospect. I mean, it's not... 
it's not really the Chargers' fault for taking him, and they didn't really know he's addicted to pills and selling pills. I was going to say, he was also selling a lot of drugs to uh, fellow students at Washington State. Well, you know, I mean, you got to make it where you got to get him where you fit in, I guess. Let's get into Justin Fields, man. Let's let's get a little positive with your Bears. Uh, they traded up to get Justin Fields. We'll see how this trade up goes for a quarterback. I'm okay with this one. I can't believe he fell to 11. I can't either. I I genuinely believe he's the second best quarterback in the draft. Um, last year at this time, he absolutely was the second best quarterback, and then he has one bad game against Northwestern in the cold, which happens if you play at Ohio State. You're going to play in cold games. Plays one bad game against Northwestern, and then his stock drops. You know, the this is it epilepsy or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah, he's right. fighting epilepsy, and but he's growing out of that. So I think that's probably why he fell. But I think he's better than uh, as Ken likes to call him, the Mormon Messiah, uh, Zach Wilson, who <laughs> I believe is the second Jesus. coming of Jay, <laughs> Jim McMahon. Um, I mean, you look at the you look at the parallels between the two. Headbands, white kid from BYU, pretty out there about who they are and branding, you know. Right. Jim McMahon at the time was an Adidas guy. You got, you got Zach Wilson wearing Jordan brand headbands, you know. I, the parallel. Not having are, sex with girls. Ish. <laughs> I mean, you see his mom. She has a lot of Botox. Yes. I mean. Yeah. And more power to her. I mean. Right. For sure, yeah. And, I just and, wonder and, how many girlfriends he's going to have or wives. One. One? <laughs> yeah. You think? If there's an over-under in Vegas, I'll go one. I just, I I fear for him. How do you go from Provo, Utah, a Utah born and raised kid, to go to the Big Apple? Right. Seems like he's going to get swallowed up. And if I'm the Niners, I feel like I understand the Trey Lance pick. I understand the upside of Lance. Um they like to compare him to baby Mahomes, but Justin Fields is bigger, faster, and a little less arm. So at that point, like, I thought Fields was a better fit for Shanahan's system than Lance was. So for them to hop up to 11, I told I told my wife and I told everybody at the draft party, if they go up to 11 and they take Mac Jones, I'm renouncing my Bears rights, and thank God they didn't. <laughs> See, that's a, okay. I want to get into that a little bit. I've renounced my rights on a couple different teams. Is that okay for sports fans to do? I want to get a different sports fan take on this because I've done it a couple times, man. I can't cheer for the Vegas Raiders. The Oakland Raiders were bad enough. Mm-hmm. You go to Vegas, you say, fuck you to Oakland. I know the stadium is a shithole. I was, I've was, i been there. It's terrible. But I can't do it, man. You, Alex Leatherwood at 17, I just, no, I can't do it. The Packers are going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't. I, I, I mean, I get it. It's. I it's one like of those things where it. it's one of those things where I believe you can say that, but would I've given up my Bears rights? No. Um, it's a it's a moment of frustration where everybody's a part of the pick, and you think you know better than the GM, um, Ryan Pace. The I was Bears gonna say GM. you might know better than the GM though. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, he has a great track record. I mean, we yeah. did trade up for Trubisky, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where we all. Uh, backseat GM and so we feel like we have a better opinion or a better observation of talent and these guys get paid you know and they still make wrong decisions and at the end of the day you got to realize yeah we mess up in our jobs daily and that they're going to make mistakes too but I understand the whole Raider thing um I mean as we, a, we gave them to you guys for fucking peanuts on the southwest airplane a bottle of arrowhead and some fucking opened hot cheetos like I don't 
The, but, the Raiders haven't done shit with those picks, man. And the Bears weren't even, they were 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, in 2018. You guys yeah. made the playoffs and uh, uh, what's-his-face fucking double-doinked. So it wasn't like it was that bad of a season. Sorry to bring that Ky up. But Cairo Santos. He, <laughs> he fucking double-doinks. He wasn't that bad, man. Khalil Mack should have won an MVP or yeah. a Defensive Player of the Year that year in my opinion. Khalil Mack absolutely should have. Um, Khalil Mack is a... Uh, is the one of the best players from the 14 draft and 100% he's a he's a game changer and he we're going to look back at him as an all-time great him and Aaron Donald coming out in the same draft class you look back at that and you say that draft class defense wise was superior to the offensive side because basically you got Mike Evans from Tampa you got Derek Carr was the only quarterback of anything come out of that draft so right that draft was stacked with all-time great defenders, and Khalil Mack is right up there. I just wish we could get him some help on the outside. You know, we keep trying to throw parts and pieces out there to try to help him out, and he just gets double, triple teamed. He's getting the Aaron Donald treatment, so. Right. And he's not as maybe dominant as Aaron Donald. No. I know he doesn't. I mean, Donald plays right down the middle where mm -hmm. Mack's on the end. So it's like, I think you guys are good at stopping the run and whatnot, but ever since he started getting double and triple teamed, he hasn't looked like the same guy. I don't think it's because of injury or because he doesn't work hard. He just, there's three fucking guys blocking me. Well, and it's also a little tough. bit, it's a little bit too, if you look at the dynamics of the way offensive lines are built, Aaron Donald's getting double and triple teamed, but he's getting double and triple teamed by centers and guards who are 310. Aaron Donald's 320, 315, 320, so you're getting double teamed by two guys your size. Cleo Max 275, and you're facing a tackle that's 320, 330, and you got this and you got the guard coming out at 310 and you got a back chipping you. So it's a little bit different of a dynamic and, and putting pressure in a quarterback's face is always gonna be more disruption than blowing through the edge. So it's a different defender and it's a different, you know, the double and triple teams are a little bit different because the guards have a harder time getting to somebody coming straight up the middle. And, you know, and Donald's big enough just to run through a back where a back's chipping on Cleo Mack where Donald's facing him head on. Right. So. Yeah. No, I'm excited for you guys with Fields. I'm surprised he fell that low. So am I. Um, and, I mean, look, a lot of people have been saying it, but it's very true. I think that Matt uh, Nagy and Ryan Pace saved their jobs Thursday. Because trading up, no one thought you guys would trade up. No one thought you guys would take Fields. You guys needed a quarterback, but no one thought that was going to happen Wait, like you that. don't believe in the Red Rifles, the Messiah? Do you think he's the Messiah? No. <laughs> he didn't work out in Cincinnati. Right. Oh, and let's – he didn't work out with a – a really, really talented Dallas roster last year with tons of weapons. Right. You can't make either one of those work. I mean, and he did look good for one game, but other than that, you know, I mean, Andy Dalton's a solid player from TCU. He just isn't, he's not a transcendent talent. He's not, you know, he's a top 20 to 25 quarterback, you know. I mean, I'd rather went out and traded for Gardner Minshew if we wouldn't have done anything or something. At least somebody with some upside. Yeah. Um, he's underrated. I think so as well, but, I mean, Pace and Nagy did at least buy themselves another year. Yeah. And I think if you're Ryan Pace, you can be like, hey, look, I got a rookie quarterback. I have somebody that I drafted, and he's hitching his wagon to a second rookie quarterback, and it's crazy that he's actually got to hitch his wagon to a second rookie quarterback. Most GMs don't make it that Most far. Most GMs don't make it that far, you know. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of the same thing with Denver, why Denver's GM didn't – they, they go trade for Teddy Bridgewater because that GM's first year, you have the ex-GM who's now your boss in the front office and a Hall of Fame quarterback himself right? sitting up top 
you don't want to hit your wagon in year one because if you hit your your wagon there year one and in two years it doesn't work, you're out of a job. Yeah. If you at least buy yourself another year to get that roster better and, and put the pieces around it and then find the right quarterback, then then you can at least have a fighting chance to save your job. Denver's kind of like that down-the-middle team because mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton's coming back. He was gone all last year for an ACL, Achilles, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, ACL. Yeah, yeah, ACL. Jerry Judy. You know, supremely talented. Too bad Drew Locke hit an open window. <laughs> right, and I, I just feel like the Drew Locke experiment is just that. It's an experiment, and we need to like shut the experiment down at this point. I don't think he's the guy. I I don't. And that either. defense is good too. That defense is good, and and KJ Hamler's a good receiver. Um, they have weapons, and you got Noah Melvin Fant. Gordon and Noah Fant and Albert O. Like you have some really good pieces. You have really good weapons, and. Drew Locke missed too many open wide receivers last year, missed the easy throws. And being an NFL quarterback is super hard because you're throwing the ball into super tight windows. When you have a wide open receiver, you have to hit them. And too many times last year, Drew Locke missed open well, <coughs> open wide receivers. Right. We can take a break real quick so I can take care of my dogs. Okay. We'll, we'll take a break real quick. Alrighty, and we are back. So let's hop into this quarterback list that we have. So you have a uh, humongous list in front of me you did a lot of prep this is the most i've ever seen a guest do prep wise for the podcast so yeah thank you i just have i'm excited as a bears fan because there's been 38 quarterbacks that have started a game for us since the super bowl not including jim mcmahon so 39 if you include mcmahon in the games he started in 80 or 86 uh i'll just run down this list quick and yeah, you can yeah. stop me when you get to a good player uh steve fuller who mike tomzak doug flutie okay Mike Honesty, Steve Bradley, Jim Harbaugh, who's better known for coaching. Right. Peter Tom Willis, Will Furrier, Steve Walsh, Eric Kramer, Dave Craig, Rick Meyer, Steve Stenstrom, Moses Moreno, <laughs> Shane Matthews, Cade McNown, USC, UCLA great, Jim Miller, Chris Chandler, Henry Burris, Slash, Cordell Stewart, Rex Grossman, Craig Krenzel. Super Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, he did have a Super Bowl appearance. Craig Krenzel. Chad Hutchinson, Jonathan Quinn, Kyle Orton, Brian Greasy. His dad was way better than him. Yeah. Jay Cutler, Todd Collins. I, and that's the championship appearance. Yeah, he did. Uh, Todd Collins, Caleb Haney, Jason Campbell, Josh McNown, Jimmy Clausen, Matt Barkley, Brian Hoyer, Mitch Trubisky, Mike Glennon, Chase Daniels, or Chase Daniel and Nick Foles. Now out of those, we hey. have... We have four quarterbacks that have playoff wins for us. Mike Tomzak won two games in the playoffs in 88. He won one in 88 and one in 90. Steve Walsh won one game in 94. Grossman won two games in 06 and got us to the Super Bowl to lose to Peyton Manning. And Jay Cutler won one playoff game. Against the Seahawks. Against the Seahawks. And then sat on the bike for the second half. Well, you know, I mean. Buddy's married to Kristen Cavallari, or was. Who's that? Some chick from the hills. I don't know. <laughs> she was on the real world or some shit. No, the hills or something. I, <laughs> hills fame, MTV, bro. Okay, okay. <laughs> He's always wilding out, man. He's always like drunk in public or doing some shit on New Year's. I don't know what his deal. I was, was I was super pumped when we traded for Jay Cutler. Had all the Brett Favre arm talent in the world, but had the mental capacity, mental processing game capacity of a twelve-year-old. He looked like he was playing high school football for the first time in most games, throwing off his back foot, trying to rely all on arm talent. And that was the most frustrating thing about Jay Cutler as a fan is watching him just try to rely on his arm. 
there are quarterbacks that do that, like Brett Favre, but you still watch him process the game and make the right read. You, you watch Aaron Rodgers do that, relies on his arm talent, but he still processes the game and makes the right reads. Jay Cutler was frustrating because he would throw to triple-covered wide receivers at, the, at any moment, and you just didn't know where the ball was going. There's games where I thought he wanted to throw to the other team more than he wanted to throw to us. Absolutely, it seemed like it. Yeah. Yeah. There's games where it seemed like he went to the bar with MJ, got slammed, and then went to Soldier Field. I mean, smoking cigars in the locker room with MJ. I mean, you're toasting the town, bro. <laughs> Holding the baseball pad. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing about the Bears, though, man. The Bears have always been this intimidating, fierce defensive team. Mm-hmm. Even with fucking Peanut, you got Quill Mack, like you've always had these legendary, doesn't matter what position, obviously Singletary and shit like Erlacher. that. Erlacher. You know, er, yeah, of course, Erlacher. I don't know how I almost left him out. Um, guys like that, and it's just like, I don't know, just for some reason, the whole franchise cannot figure out an offense. Besides the 80s, besides Sweetness, and I don't know when the refrigerator played, what, the 70s? When no, no, he there? played in the 80s too. Oh, he did? He, he actually had the rushing touchdown in the Super Bowl instead of Walter Payton. Which, as a Bears fan, you go back and watch, Walter Payton did so much for our franchise and was such an amazing human being that you wish he would have got the touchdown in that blowout over the Patriots instead of handing it to Refrigerator Perry. Right. And, like, I know hindsight's 20-20 and they thought they'd be back because the 86 Bears defense might have even been better than the 85 Bears defense. They just don't get all the accolades. Um... They thought they were going to go back. They just couldn't figure out offense, and they couldn't figure out who to throw to. Um, you know, their top target then was Willie Galt, who, if you're a Raider fan, you know he's really fast, but right. he needed to stick him to catch the ball. <laughs> Which uh, I hear is uh, illegal these days. Or, yeah. you know, well, they, they just use spit or whatever it is now. You know, Elmer's glue, whatever it is, yeah. The NFL's got this policy, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So. Right. 100%. Yeah, same with the NBA. Yeah. The same with, like, the Lakers and LeBron and shit. Uh, and I'm a Laker fan. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's very true. I want to get into this debate. Um, we were here at the shop, NFL draft morning. Mm-hmm. You know, all hell was breaking loose as far as Aaron Rodgers. We were just talking about the day. None of us knew fields would go to the Bears, whatever. We were just talking. All of a sudden, I mentioned how Ken thinks that Joe Cool, as he calls him, and I know he's going to listen to this at some point, he thinks Joe Cool is, I guess, the second greatest quarterback ever. I swear to God, he has said multiple times he's the greatest, you know, fuck Brady, basically. He's a Jets fan, J-E-T-S, I yeah. get it. So, you know, I know that's where that comes from. It's obviously Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. I don't give a fuck what anyone else says. You don't think Joe Montana is a top 25 quarterback ever? Is that... I'll give you an argument. I have, okay. I have 19 guys that I would take over Montana, and I can... And this is a personal opinion of watching old game tape, watching NFL films. The Sables did an amazing job when I was a kid of being able to watch and process information. And, and this is my humble opinion. And it's not the Bible or anything. This is my humble opinion. There's just 19 quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that I would rather have. And my argument is, is Joe Montana was in the best situation he could possibly be ever. He played in the most innovative offense for its time ever. Bill Walsh, the best offensive mind in the history of football, changed the game with the West Coast offense. That West Coast offense became the new run game. Joe Montana was throwing in, throwing five, six-yard slants when nobody had seen those five or six-yard slants. The NFL before that was you were running a 10-yard slant or you were running curls or you were running streaks or you were running a button or a, a post or you know a seven pattern. They ran five-yard slants to extend their running game. 
you got to play with arguably the best wide receiver, whether you believe it's Moss or Rice. Moss was more talented. Yeah. Gifted physically than Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice worked harder than anybody else. Right. You got to play with another in the NFL at the time, another top 10 wide receiver in John Taylor. You got you had two top 10 tight or two top 5 tight ends in the NFL at the time in Dwight Clark and Brent Jones. You had a top 5 running back in Roger Craig and yep. you had the best fullback in the history of the league in Tom Rathman. And every one of those guys could catch passes. So that's basically Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl last year. Right. Put all the right pieces. You put and, all the right pieces together, work. and he'll make it work. Yeah. Well, you put that innovative offense in there, and this is also the argument. Like, Seifert took over for Walsh later on. Joe Montana, Joe Montana ran that offense to perfection. That offense was built around his strengths, which is smart. Steve Young ran that offense better. You look at that 94 Niners team. That 94 Niners team was a juggernaut offensively. Steve Young ran that offense better than Joe Montana. So... Yeah, he's got four Super Bowl wins in four tries, two MVPs of Super Bowls. I get that. But in the same breath, how can you say the next guy after you that did it and did it better than you, how can you say that guy's not better than you? Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's where I'm coming from. And, like, my list is – and this is based on an opinion. Like, if you were going to start an NFL franchise and you could have them in their prime, I would take every one of this list – over Montana at quarterback. And don't get me wrong, I think Joe Montana is a trans- He's one of those game-changing talents that has changed the NFL and his offense changed the NFL, but I still don't think he... I mean, he, he's probably a top 20 quarterback all-time to me. And just because, like, I watched him play and I'm not a Niner fan, you know, um, but it's one of those things where, of course, it's Tom Brady. Right. Peyton Manning. It's Tom Brady. Yeah. Peyton Manning processed the game better than anybody. He was... He was the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. His arm was not the best by any stretch of the imagination, but he made plays that other quarterbacks just don't see. And to me, Peyton Manning, second-best quarterback of all time. For sure. And I was a big – I beat the drum until a few years ago that Peyton Manning was better than Brady. You can't make that argument anymore. Right. Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time. Dan Marino, I would have taken Dan Marino. His pocket presence – his big-time arm, the throws he could make. He was making 20-yard throws in a smaller window where you're making – Joe Montana's making a 5- to 7-yard throw, and he's making it in a bigger window because that window's bigger. Right. It's just – it's the way football routes work, and, and the linebackers then really weren't designed to cover those athletic tight ends that they had. And you look at Montana, he made a few plays on the run, but he never had transcendent arm talent. Everything he threw – the play, the the catch to Dwight Clark. Right. That ball was overthrown. Thank you. Overthrown. Every time I see that highlight, I can't help but think it is the most overrated play in NFL history. Dwight Clark went and made that. It's a fucking play. touchdown pass. Yeah, Dwight Clark went and made that play for him. Right. Dwight Clark made Joe Montana look good on that play. Right. It wasn't Montana making a great throw. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes laying sideways, throwing the ball 40 <laughs> yards and hitting a dude in a face mask. <laughs> it's still incomplete. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, my bad for falling down and hitting you in the face mask. Right. I mean, if I'm Mahomes, I'm like, oh, great. And then two plays later, hit somebody else in a face mask. You know, Dwight Clark is at full reach making that catch and pulls it down. That's on Dwight Clark. That's not a Joe Montana amazing 100%. play. Yeah. You know, 
it's not Brett Favre throw off the run Monday Night Football the night after he lost his dad on the run throwing the ball set 65 yards in the air and hitting the guy in strike. It's not that play either. You know, and we can talk about Peyton's little brother. It's not that wasn't Eli Manning that made that play against the Patriots that in was the Super David Bowl. Tyree. That was David Tyree pinning a ball on his helmet. And it was fucking Plexico. He did like three fucking spins trying to find Eli's ball. It's like, thank God he caught it. Jesus. Well, I mean, Eli threw more wounded ducks than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I was watching an episode of Duck Dynasty. Dude, I don't know how that guy won two Super Bowls against the GOAT. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, defense. Right. You put pressure in his face, and that's the thing. That's, you know, and there wasn't... The Niners had an amazing defense in the 80s with Montana, too. And you had Charles Haley rushing the outside. Yep. And, you know, if you're one of the greatest of all time, you go to somewhere else when he went to Kansas City and you win a ring. Yeah. Peyton went somewhere else and won a ring. He did. It was last year, too. He looked like shit. Mm-hmm. Mainly it was because of that defense, but st- this still works. Even yeah. if all the body doesn't work. The mind. That still works up there. Yeah. The brain still works. I have Favre, to me, the best. Second best arm talent ever in the NFL history, Brett Favre, um, Elway, the most surefire number one pick ever mm-hmm. besides you, you Luck or Lawrence. And you can't have watched both of them play and be like, I'd rather have Joe Montana, because you're lying to yourself. If you're a Niner fan and you actually believe you'd rather have Joe Montana than John Elway, you're lying to yourself. You should look in the mirror. You're a homer. <laughs> because as not a Niner fan and not a Bronco fan. I look at both of them play, and I say John Elway's way better. He passes the eye test. Montana just didn't. Um, Steve Young, like I said, speaks for itself. He ran that offense better with less weapons. He ran it with Ricky Waters, who was a decent back, wasn't anything special. He ran it with J.J. Stokes instead of John Taylor. So, I mean, it's one of those things where Steve Young ran that offense better than Joe Montana did. Um, Drew Brees. Anybody that's quote unquote five ten or six foot, that's really like five nine. Right. I mean, you you put Ken Zierly in a pocket and <laughs> expect passes from a kid from Purdue with a mole on his face. That team is not going to win any fucking football game ever. <laughs> oh and seventeen. <laughs> You're going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks from the early eighties. <laughs> Ken Zierly in the pocket. Uh, Johnny Unitas changed the game. Johnny yes. U. Yes. Um. Fran Tarkenton could run, could throw, was way before his era, was one of the first dual-threat quarterbacks. Um, yep. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know we're all NorCal people, but Aaron Rodgers makes plays. And I have this argument all the time. with I have a buddy that's a Green Bay Packer fan. He's like, I hate Rodgers because he doesn't look like he's having fun. I'm all, but he is a special player. We're going to see that player, that type of player, very few in our generation. And he's going to go down as one of the greatest to do it ever. And, He's already there. And the Green Bay Packers, despite themselves, have still won one Super Bowl because they refuse to give the guy weapons. Right. You have Devontae Adams now, and Adams is an amazing wide receiver. He's a great player, top five receiver in the NFL. Other than that, you tell me a weapon that they've actually had. You can go back to Freeman and Jordy Nelson and Driver and all these guys. Those weren't top 10 wide receivers in the NFL in their Even day. Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. He was a damn good receiver. He was a good receiver, but he still wasn't top 10 at his position in the NFL at the time. Right. And you trade up to take Jordan Love last year instead of making a deal to go get Justin Jefferson. If I'm if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I want out too. Right. I'm watching all these teams have these explosive weapons, 
and I'm sitting back and I'm watching them take my replacement behind me instead of give me weapons to go win a friggin' Super Bowl. Yeah. Or here's a thought: go take a defender so I can That's actually insane. stop somebody. Right. Yeah. The Packers were a better football team than the Niners the year the Niners beat them in the NFC Championship game, except for the Niners pushed the ball down the Packers' throat all game. It was basically a high school football team playing a college football team in the trenches that game. They ran for like 300 yards in that NFC Championship game. That guy was on seven different teams, Raheem Mostert. Mm Mm-hmm. The Jets cut him. (laughs) 300 yards. (laughs) I'll tell you this. I, I agree with everything you said except the last take. I think the Niners would have kicked the fucking Packers' ass any game they would have played either location that year. I went to the game, not the NFC Championship. Uh-huh. I went to the Sunday night game. Oh, I got you. Uh, Packers Niners. Uh, this is when I was in my Aaron Rodgers face. I went there as a Packer fan. Tons of fuck. I had the Rodgers jersey, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm a little fair weather with football. I, I call myself a football whore. Um, I, I sleep with a lot it's of not different. The, it's not the first time I've heard you called that. <laughs> so I go there. And they're down 23-0 at halftime. I think the end score was 33-8, to 36-8. No matter what it was, they got their ass fucking kicked. Rodgers oh, yeah. couldn't complete a pass. Jimmy Graham was letting the ball bounce off the face mask. I mean, come There's Jimmy another. Graham. Jimmy Graham. Come on. Go play basketball. Right. Go play basketball. He was and he's a bear Jimmy's. now. I hate it. I hate Jimmy Graham. <laughs> yes, hate right. him with a passion. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like, wh- yeah. why do we go give him a big contract? We have Shaheen. We have – you could have went and traded for – O.J. Howard, you could have went and traded for Evan Ingram. Like, go make a deal. Get a, a good tight end, not a over-the-hill Jimmy Graham. Right. Who has lived on the laurels of what he did in New Orleans with Drew Brees. For seven years now. For seven years and lived on the laurels of Antonio Gates being one of the best tight ends ever because he played college basketball. Well, congratulations, Jimmy Graham. You had a couple of good years with Jimmy Brees or Drew Brees. Yeah, right, right. And then you go play with Russell Wilson and you're not any good. That should tell you something. Right. It should. Then you're going to go play with Aaron Rodgers. And you couldn't catch a cold. You couldn't catch the ocean if you fell out of a freaking shipping vessel. <laughs> then you want to go to Chicago and then be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to save Trubisky's career. No, you're not. The only person that could have saved Trubisky's career was the Bears by not drafting him. Right. Yeah. I want to bring home the Montana point real quick. Uh-huh. I was pulling up some stuff when you were talking. So he was the – this is interesting. I didn't know he was this low. He was the 82nd overall pick in the 1979 draft. Out of Notre Dame. He wasn't on anyone's radar. No. He, he had a fucking weird pedo stash going on, whatever. You know, Joe Cool, whatever. Well, he's South Bend, Indiana guy. That's why. I mean, he comes from Palo Alto, I believe, originally, or California somewhere. And he went to South Bend, Indiana to play at Notre Dame, which was a football powerhouse then. And, right. You know, that's what you did in the 70s. You yeah. do porn stashes. <laughs> like Ron Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> He won two MVPs, won four Super Bowls, eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. We've seen the second act of Peyton Manning's career mm-hmm. ended with a title. Brady, his second act of his career, already has a title. Joe Montana's second act of his career, there was no title. Steve Young came in January of 95. Mm-hmm. My dad always remembers this. Die-hard Charger fan. That's where I get it from. He was born and raised in San Diego, so that's kind of grew up with that. The Niners were 24-point favorites, the largest in Super Bowl history. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, I do. In 95, mm-hmm. they cover the spread. Yeah. 24-point spread. Uh, they bent the Chargers over their knee and whooped their ass that night. The Chargers were 11-5, and five, Niners were 13-3, and three, but it was that much of a difference. Um, Steve Young, obviously the MVP, but that goes to show you that 
maybe Joe Cool isn't so cool after all. That's always been my argument. I, I there's people that I've had podcasts with other business owners and stuff. Uh, this one guy, uh, he's a big Cowboys fan. Uh-huh. Um, he's actually uh, Troy, Troy Parrott. Oh, I know, T- I know TP. Yeah, and he's I know Big awesome. Boom. Yeah, he is awesome. I, I love Troy. Not shitting on him. I'm shitting on his football take though. He's not going to listen to this. He told me that Joe Cool is the greatest quarterback because he would beat you every freaking time. That's what he said. He said it about four or five times to me. He didn't have the killer instinct that Michael Jordan had. Well, that Tom Brady has. Or Tom Brady. Tom Brady against the Seahawks. That that defense is one of the best defenses of this generation. He went right down the field whenever he wanted to. Well, part of that was Pete Carroll decided to throw the ball in the one-yard line instead of handing it to beast mode in the backfield. So, that... I mean, that's got a little bit to do with it, too. Uh, 28-3? Yeah. No, that's I, all Brady. That's no Belichick. Well, that that's, is Brady. That's also Matt Ryan realizing, oh, shit, I'm going to win a Super Bowl, and then folding like origami. <laughs> I mean, I watched that Super Bowl. I was like, oh, shit, I took the, I took the Falcons in the spread. I'm sitting good. Yeah, nope. Yeah, no. <laughs> Fold like origami. <laughs> I just That's my argument with Montana is – is a lot of times in, in life we look back nostalgically and because of the era we live in, you're going to get a lot of those takes that Montana's the greatest of all time or, or top five of all time, and it's not that case. Like we, we look back fondly on those eras, and we look at it in these rose-colored glasses, and, and we see a different lens than everybody else sees. And what Joe Montana was a super likable guy, great interview, and I think a lot of sports writers are the same way. Yes. But why you, does everyone hate Rodgers? Mm-hmm. Kind of a dick. Well, I mean, ask Danica Patrick why everybody hates Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he dumped too, her ass too soon? and turned around. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. He dumped her ass and then turned around and was the most viable player in football last year. Well, I mean, that's what when they draft Jordan Love. And poor Jordan Love, if he ever gets a chance. Yeah. Oh, my God. If he ever gets a chance, gonna Aaron Rodgers is going to try to rip their heart out. Try to rip Green Bay's heart out every time. And I, I'm interested to see what happens there. It'll be interesting, that's for sure, because Aaron Rodgers is the ultimate competitor. He's going to be, all right, you want to draft a quarterback? I'm just going to go have the best season of my career at year 15 and show you why you're stupid. Right. And, like I said, he had Tunyon, who is... He's good. He's, he's played, He played well. Yeah. He, he worked well. out with George Kittle. Sure. Um, and you he's, have Devontae Adams. Robert Tunyon. Yeah. And you also have... Um, can you name some other receivers? Because I can, but... Alan Lazard was okay. Lazard's okay, but he's a number three, number four wide receiver. Because of Aaron Rodgers. You have He it, goes to the Jets, the oh, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The fuck's that guy doing? He's probably a starter. <laughs> fair. <laughs> Albeit, that's fair. I mean, yeah. let's be real Look, about I don't it. know if he's going to have a thousand yard season. I don't know if he's going to have ten touchdowns, twelve touchdowns. No, no, Robert no. Tanyan had eleven touchdowns. He's Robert Tanyan. Yeah, he's Robert Tanyan. <laughs> he's not George Kittle. He's not Gronkowski. He's Aaron, not Antonio Gates. Aaron Jones should be sending... Aaron Rodgers, a fruit basket for the contract he just signed. Right. 100%. 100%. Like, Aaron Rodgers makes everybody on that team better. He does. Aaron, Aaron Jones is not an elite NFL running back. At all. At all. You he have 18. already. You have 18 touchdowns in a, in a season, and then you put another back, a good year backing it. To me, A.J. Dillon's the best back on that roster. Already? Already. You watch what he did late last year and in the playoffs. The way he was running through guys, would you rather have that or would you rather Aaron Jones? That is a hot take. I, here's my thing. I think Aaron Jones' body is already, just the way Ezekiel Elliott, I think his body's already failing him. For whatever reason, I think just because he's a little guy. Well, Ezekiel Elliott is because he wears those belly shirts. Dude, what the fuck? Dude, stop eating Little Caesars. 
Well, like, and if you're going to wear a belly shirt, you probably shouldn't have a pot belly. Right. Just saying. Yeah. And I then mean, go eat a pot roast. Yeah, and then yeah. tuck your jersey in. I mean, it's a cute look. <laughs> I want to bring home, before we transition uh, to this conversation I want to have with you on the ROI and the card game and stuff, uh-huh. I want to bring home this point of, I do think it is Aaron Rodgers... For some reason. I don't know why I feel like this. Because I, I hate fucking Bang Bang Niner Gang. If I got to hear that fucking shit again, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, I think his football destiny is to go to the 49ers and to win a Super Bowl. In all due respect, I think you're high. Really? He, if you're Aaron Rodgers, why do you want to go to the Niners? Because they passed on me, and I need to make a point to that fan base that all along I should have been the pick, not Alex fucking Smith. Who Great comeback, great story. Let's be honest. Before that guy got Vernon Davis and got all these guys, he was fucking shit in San Francisco for seven fucking seasons. He was horrendous, mm-hmm. and he was the first overall pick. Aaron Rodgers is the biggest diva in the NFL. He's my favorite player, but he is the biggest diva. He has the biggest ego. He's probably the biggest jerk in the NFL. So you just said he has the biggest ego in the NFL. If you have the biggest ego and somebody passed on you, why would you want to go to there? Why would you want to go there and and play if somebody passed on wouldn't you want to just stick it to him even more go somewhere else and just be like how's that taste yeah but they've also whooped my ass three or four times in the playoffs i mean they made him look terrible every time they meet in the playoffs he always has to go to san francisco too it's never in green bay which is kind of ironic i just feel like the thing is he wants to and i'm kind of stealing this point from ken ken's brought it up before but i think it's a good point he has it out for the niner fans and maybe the organization more so well he grew up a niner fan that's the thing too and I think he wants to win one there. I think he just, in his heart of hearts, he's always wanted that, and he's been salty ever since they took Alex fucking Smith over him. Yeah, I mean, draft That's day. his destiny, in my opinion. Well, And and I, I appreciate that opinion. I just, if you're Aaron Rodgers, why do you want to leave Devontae Adams to go to a worse receiving core? Devontae Adams is overrated. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I made Devontae Adams. Okay. He, I, and, he, that, he's, and that's a good take. He's a talented I just, guy. Everyone thinks he's the best receiver in the game. No, he's not. Michael Thomas is. Hell no. Really? I think it's Hopkins. I think it's Ben Hopkins. Uh, it might be Julio. I mean, Julio's getting older, but Julio has... Julio hasn't caught a touchdown in five seasons. No, well, I mean... I it's mean, not fuck. his fault Matt Ryan can't find him in the end zone. I mean, is he still quick enough? Is he still able to... All I can, all I can tell you about the best receiver in the NFL is Larry Fitzgerald, who is one of the all-time greats yeah. and one of the greatest people in football. Absolutely. Come out, and there's... I don't. I've watched some clips on him, and he's telling Kyler, he's all, "That's the baddest man in the NFL. That's the best receiver." And he's pointing at Julio Jones. So, if that's happening, and Larry Fitzgerald really believes who's an all-time great and amazing talent, believes he's the best receiver in the NFL, who am I to argue with that? I'm just, I'm a fat that's white fair. guy. I'm a fat white guy now who sits back and clicks a remote. I don't get hit every weekend. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, we do gotta put more stock into certain guys. Mm-hmm. Stock and whatnot. I, if you would have this take the year they went to the Super Bowl, the Falcons, sure. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. But I just ever since then, I think that their hearts got tore out and it just kind of is what it is at this point. But, I mean, Julio Jones, I mean, I, I can do a quick Google search. I feel like he's literally had maybe 10 touchdowns since that, like, literally altogether. Like, not that he hasn't done shit. I mean, he gets double covered. He's still one of the most talented guys. But you look, Calvin Ridley should be sending him a fruit basket because he's made Calvin Ridley's career. He's going to make Calvin Ridley a ton of money. Because Julio gets double, triple covered every week. Right. So if you're Calvin Ridley and and now they have Kyle Pitts there, you and they have to do something because they can't even afford to sign Kyle Pitts at the moment. They're going to have to trade Julio. So if you trade Julio, 
is really going to get the double team now. So is Calvin Pitts going to be the better player? Or Kyle Pitts going to be the better player? He'll be the best receiver on that team, even though it's a tight end. Well, is he really a tight end or is he really a receiver? You don't really run that fast as a tight end, do you? They're going to they're gonna flank him out wide. And I think that's a lost art is, is if you flank a tight end out wide, you it's interesting to see whether the linebacker goes with him because he's way faster than linebackers or if the safety comes up and he's way bigger than the safety and he's faster than safeties. So Pitts is a generational talent. Yeah. Talent-wise. Yes. He hasn't done a, a lick in the NFL. We said the same thing about multiple players. Um, Kellen Winslow Jr. So Yeah, let's skip over that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you want to know that story, go listen to Crime and Sports Podcast um, and listen to Kellen Winslow Jr. That's a creepy podcast. Just saying. <laughs> uh, George, George. George, how you doing, man? How's it going? How's it going? You prefer right. George or Jorge? Uh, whatever the people want. Man. Right. People's choice. People's choice <laughs> oh of words out here. <laughs> um, let's get into the card game ROI conversation. Okay. Uh, let's get into it. This is a debate that you've had with both George and I. You showed up at the perfect time, George. Um, return on investment is what we mean by ROI. Mm-hmm. You feel like, and you bring up Warren Buffett, you bring up stock market, Robinhood, mm-hmm. whatever you know, crypto, yeah. whatever. And in your opinion, and I think you're right, you are trying to, I, I think, and you're a good businessman, I, I respect it, sweet talk us back into getting back into breaks, stuff like that, in the card game. I'm not trying to get out of it fully. Mm-hmm. I collect Kobe, my grandpa's favorite player, rest in peace, ever, was Sandy Koufax, Dodger fan, born and raised in LA. 100%. I collect Kobe and Koufax. I don't care about anyone else. Maybe mm-hmm. Rogers, I can get my hands on one one day, maybe Dwayne Wade, but you know, he let his son become a fucking girl, so. He did marry uh, Gabrielle Union, though. Fine. Yeah, yeah, all the props in the world. And he's part owner of the uh, part owner of the Utah Jazz now. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you know, good for him. He's the second uh, African American owner besides Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, is Zach not Wilson? majority. Yeah. No, I got you. Is Zach Wilson going to be a part of that too? Or I mean, that's close to Provo, isn't it? <laughs> Zach Wilson won't throw a touchdown until week six. Will he even throw one? Zach Wilson might be. Is James Morgan better than Zach Wilson? Sam Darnold's better than Zach Wilson. Hundred percent. You downgraded a quarterback, New York Jets. Yeah. Zach Wilson. Really- I'll take that for a hot take. <laughs> they're they're the same age. Newsflash. Weird. Sam Darnold, as Ken Zierley says, is Doogie Hauser. Okay, that might be a little far. <laughs> Dar- Darnold's gonna go to Carolina and put up good numbers with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, <laughs> CMC. He's gonna put up good numbers. Yes. He's gonna look way better than Zach Wilson, but. It- He's Doogie Hauser. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Fucking I mean, Ken. is he Doogie Hauser or is he Neil Patrick Harris? Doogie Hauser. No one's Neil Patrick Harris. Well, that guy gets more girls than any dude, and he's fucking gay. Hey, more power to him. More I'm power just... to him. No, no, no. It's the best wingman in the world. It sounds aggressive, but it's not. How does the dude that doesn't like girls get more than the anyone that does like girls? That's pretty interesting. Well, it's because that's a hot take. There is, and we can get into that a little bit. Uh, and this is no disrespect to men to females at all, but there's a lot of females with father issues, daddy issues. So any attention from a male is good. And so if you have a male giving you attention and they're gay and you don't feel the threat of them coming on to you sexually, it's good. They love it. They love it. Yeah. That's why Neil Patrick Harris can pull any girl he wants. Right. That's he walks into any happy hour, loosens up the tie from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Next thing you know, there's 10 of them right there. 100%. Yeah. 
Hey, more Stinson. Platoon. Yeah, Barney, Barney Stinson. Stinson goaded. Barney Stinson. <laughs> That's the boy right there. Sam, you ever heard of Kevin Samuels? Uh-uh. <laughs> the most toxic dude you'll ever listen to. He literally told a girl on his show, she weighs more than Emma Smith and Barry Sanders. <laughs> Ooh. Combined no. or? <laughs> he, he, uh, no, not combined. But uh. she, she gave him his weight and he was like, Miss, with all due respect, you ain't more than Emma Smith and Barry Sanders. <laughs> his show was raw. He, he keeps it real, like, like you know, what do you rate yourself? And she's like, 10. Oh. He's like, bitch, be honest. Like He's like, be he's honest. I'm going to tell you right now, any girl that walks in and says 10, they're giving you a fluff number. Yeah. Yeah. The fluffer better be coming out of the closet to help you because that ain't a 10. A girl that's a, that's a, that's a true 10 is going to be like, oh, I'm like a 6 or 7. Yeah, exactly. They're not delusional. Um, uh, maybe. All right, all right. I'll check well, I'll, I'm going to open up a second one because we're, we're talking about fridge. fucking Kevin yeah. Samuels now. So. You might as well grab your balls uh, off the shelf too, bud. Ah, uh, fucking nuts. <laughs> <God. laughs> White on. They're Kona seltzers. I'm so, I'm so happy George knows who fucking Kevin Samuels is. <laughs> this thing's going off the rails. That's all good. Yeah, it's, it you happens. Know. So let's get back on track before okay. we, ROI. we go misogynistic on everybody. Yeah. ROI. What's up with that? Why? So I was telling you the other day, hey, man, I want to get out of the game. I was trying to sell you... Um, I sent a card to PSA, and we can even get into the PSA BGS argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a PSA 5 Joe Burrow Orange Reactive. Uh-huh. We don't know how he's going to look. It's also a PSA fucking 5, which is as good as a raw card. It's worse than a raw card. Sure. You're right. But give the conversation to the listeners that you were having with me and even George about why I should stay in the game. Why should Blake Mayfield stay in the game? Well, I was having this conversation with you. Instead of selling to me... A raw card in the offseason at its lowest potential value out of the PSA 5. I was having this conversation with you. Basically, you have stock market investors coming over to the card game. You're, they're trading fungible assets, which is stocks. You can't touch that. You're coming over to somewhere where you can actually touch. It's tangible. You hold it. You have an asset now, and you're hoping that Burrow has a good game. We're going to use your card as an example. Sure. So I told you to hold that card and break it out of the PSA 5 case and send it back after he does, has a good game or two with Jamar Chase, yeah. T. Higgins, Joe Tyler Mixon. Boyd, Joe Mixon, the young tight end that they got. I'm yeah. escaping me right now, but that young tight end that they have. The offensive line is better now. They took that kid in the second round. Yeah. And you look back. In October, mid-October, when Burrow and Herbert were going, whose card value was higher? Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Not even close. Not even close. No one was even thinking of Justin Herbert but the four Charger fans. And then Joe Burrow gets hurt. Yeah. Justin Herbert becomes... The rookie of the year. The rookie of the year. The lead card value in the rookie class. So, because Joe Burrow tears his ACL doesn't mean his talent is gone. Guys come back from ACLs all the time now. They're coming back eight, nine months from a torn ACL. AP won an MVP award off a torn ACL. He's a running back. It's facts. And, and then, one of the greatest and, backs to ever do it. And then he whooped his kid's ass with a tree ring. Or a, yeah, a switch. Let's go. They call them switches. This if is you, what happens with me and Ken. Just so you're If you grew up in the South, they call them switches. And okay. if you never got beat with one, they're, they're the real deal. Right. My grandma whooped my ass one time with a switch, and I never backtalked her ever again. Smart. Yeah. Also a way different time and era. She yeah. was not Adrian Peterson. Oh, no. But she also raised, I have six uncles. She raised every one of those uncles. And I watched five of those uncles get beat that day with the switch with me because we were playing baseball in the front yard. 
So, and they were all grown. They were all in their mid-20s, early 30s. And I watched their ass get whipped with the Switch, too. And I was like, all right, don't, mess with, don't mess with grandma anymore. <laughs> but that's just a different, it's a culture thing. Like, right. I think some of that's missing from society now. Sometimes kids are entitled. They need to be whipped. They need to be shown, hey, there's there's grown man justice out there. There's, there's, I, I paid my dues justice. There's, we don't, we coddle too many people now. And, and that's my personal opinion. That's why we are where we are as a society is we coddle too many people. We cater to everybody now. We, we give all these right. things where, you know, and that's my personal opinion. Coming from a house where I got my ass beat, but it taught me respect and it taught me discipline and it taught me all those things. And that's what's lacking from this next generation is it scares the hell out of me. As somebody who's going to be relying on that next generation to take over everything, it scares the hell out of me that they don't have that respect. They, they don't have that discipline or anything like that. So that, it, I mean. Fine line, if you will. Oh, 100%. And yeah. I'm not trying to offend Justify AP. Or, yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to justify AP. I mean, 32 lashings or whatever he gave his kid is too much. I mean, right. I think At one will. six years old. Or yeah, one will do it. You know, and he probably should have used his hand. But. He's Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Dude's too fucking you, Have you seen his forearm? Have you seen his arms? Right. They're pretty his shoulders are, yeah. yeah my he head. looks like a tank. He does. Um, but back to the car, ROI card. Yes. <laughs> yes. Burroughs market, he's going to have one or two games, and we're in such a liquid market now where you have a player play well for a stretch, and his card value spikes. So why are you going to take that card and sell it to me and then watch me make that profit off of it? Where you could sit back and use it as an investment because you weren't in that card very much. You wanted it out of a break. So your investment, say, is $10 in that card. Right. You may be able to sell to me right now for 30 bucks, 40 bucks. Okay, so you're, that's... $300. Yeah, 300% uh, ROI. Yeah. What happens if that card goes to four, three, $400 because he's playing out of his mind? He's an MVP caliber level, which everyone says the best quarterback, number one overall pick. Every scout in the NFL says sure missed, sure, or surefire talent. So he 4, has thousand percent ROI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where else are you going to get that? You're not going to get that. The stock yeah. market return on investment average rate is 8%. If you're a really good high dividend investor, you're going to get 12%. Warren Buffett, the greatest investor of all time, is 14.1%. The last 10 years ROI in sports cards, 10-year average, 165%. Yeah. The last two years, 240%. So... As somebody holding an asset, how are you going to rob yourself of money when you're holding something that's of value and you sell it now in the offseason when all price card or all football cards are down, everybody's chasing basketball and baseball. It's a hot sports right now. Yeah. So you're you're trying to sell a card that's a football card in the offseason. Everybody's chasing Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Mormon Messiah. Right. Justin Fields. Kyle Pitts. They're all chasing those guys. They're going to be chasing those guys. But as soon as season starts, those guys' value is going to come back up. Joe Burrow is going to start playing well. And now that orange reactive rookie card is going to start to go back up. And you look at, like, Patrick Mahomes' rookie cards. Okay, say he becomes as transcendent of a talent as Patrick Mahomes. I had somebody try to sell me a light blue prism Patrick Mahomes rookie card. PSA 8. I think $6,500. Rookie, right? Yeah, rookie. Okay, okay. From 17. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm three years out. What happens? 
Do the math on that 65% on a $10 investment. $65,000. You want a 65,000% ROI. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha, you see gotcha. what I'm saying? So that's what we have to look at as in Literally off the chart. I couldn't even fucking mm-hmm. do it just now. Off the and charts, so we yeah. look as investors, whether you're in it for collection or investing or whatever you're in the card game for, you have to sit back and look. When is the right time to move and when is the right time to buy? As somebody who is a partner in a card shop, I could sit here and tell you as one of our good customers, somebody who runs a podcast with Ken, somebody is having me on a podcast, I could be like, yeah, I could buy that and make a huge ROI. Or I could have a conversation with you and create another collector who can use that ROI that they're going to make off this card, potentially make off this card, to better their life. So it's not all about making money every single day for me. It's about creating collectors and creating the health of the hobby. And that's where I think a lot of people are have gone astray in this crazy card market is everyone's out to make the quick buck. Flippers. Right. Everybody's out to make that real mo- like quick money. Sometimes you make quick ROIs and lo- sometimes you make long-term ROIs. That long-term ROI is like buying GE stock. It's kind of like buying vintage right now. You're not going to make a ton of money buying vintage because it gradually goes up. Right. So it's like buying GE stock. Yeah, you're going to buy GE stock at $12 right now. But over the life history of GE in 30 years, you're going to be sitting at $35, $40 a stock. You've like made your Tesla. money. Tesla. I, th- Apple. I remember in 2018, uh, Elon Musk was saying, I'll go private at 420 a share. Mm-hmm. It's 850 a share now. Yeah. That's 2018. Mm-hmm. It's only three years ago. And you look at... I mean, That's not very long, man. You look at, you look at like... We're, quick ROIs like Dogecoin or whatever that thing Bitcoin, is called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do- do- Dogecoin? Well, yeah, uh, Doge. Doge. Is it Doge? I, I, I think I, it's... I thought it was... I, saw, I call it Doggy Coin I thought I, I thought it was... I thought Snoop Dogg started it like Snoopy Coin, <laughs> Doggy Coin, or Doggy Coin. I think it's Dogecoin. Is it Dogecoin? Yeah. yeah. My, yeah, d- my dumbass sold that. way early. Yeah. I, I, I missed the boom. Last I, month. I wish I, I could go back I, and buy Bitcoin when it was like seven cents a share. Ten years ago. Yeah. And now it's $65,000. When they were trying to give fucking Bitcoin away. Right. They were trying to give it away to people. Now, $65,000 a share. So I was just trying to instill into you, (laughs) sit back. Sometimes you have to have long-term investments, but you also have that short-term stuff that you can move and flip and do that. As a collector and investor, you have to, if you're going to do both in this game, you have to sell what you can sell to keep what you want. And that's where everybody gets in trouble when you're doing both. They just try to sell everything and not have any long-term investments. So what happens when you got nothing sitting back here to make you money over the long term right. and you sold everything and now you're quick buck, now you're sitting with nothing as that's an investment. And that's where I think people will get into trouble in the card market you have to be careful about it and you have to be smart and have a game plan. Know what you're doing going in. Know what players you're going to keep and you're going to believe in and you're going to hold and watch them grow over time. And you're not going to hit on every player, believe me. But there's also players that you're going to hit on big. You know, in 17, you could have bought all the Mahomes you wanted. Right. Even a Sean Watson, which now it's kind of tanked, but well, we'll, I mean, we'll see d- how that goes. Depending on how the court case. Right. We'll see how out. that goes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Mahomes was Dogecoin or Bitcoin, and now he's Bitcoin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Patrick Mahomes, I take over Joe Montana too, just just on that. Oh there, Jesus but. Christ! Yeah. yeah, I had a uh, a healthy debate with. Um, I'll give him a shout out to good uh, Matthew White. You know Matt White, uh, Al's dad and whatnot, and uh-huh. Seth's dad. 
uh, this was before the Super Bowl. I was saying that if Mahomes retires tomorrow, he's already a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, you know, you young people don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You guys just overrate and overhype everyone. You don't know what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. I give the stats and the MVP award, and I say, cool. I know it's not the Basketball Hall of Fame where they'll give Spencer Haywood a fucking nomination. Um, and that's a little different this year because KG, Duncan, Kobe, and everyone's yeah. getting in and stuff. But um, Mahomes has already done enough, I think. He threw 50 touchdowns and eight picks his first starting year and won an MVP award. He won mm-hmm. a Super Bowl his second year. The only reason he lost his third year is because he lost both his tackles and it was one of the greatest defenses probably since the 13 Seahawks. Probably the best defense since the 13 Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, Mahomes is a Hall of Famer, I think. Is he first ballot? No. That's what everyone misses. He's not a Peyton Manning, a Calvin Johnson, a Charles Woodson. Yet. Yet. If he retires tomorrow, that guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame 10 years from now. 100%. Just the way he changed the game, electrified the game, I always say it. He is a Steph Curry of football. Mm-hmm. He has already changed the game. He is currently changing the game. I mean, just the offense they run, just the kind of shit they do. They have a certain play. And if I was a coach, I would obsess over this. So I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't sleep. I wouldn't nothing. I would try and figure out how to stop this play. Look at every, if you guys haven't noticed, I know you've been watching football for longer than I've been alive. The Chiefs run this play on every 4th and 1, 4th and 2. It doesn't matter if it's the Super Bowl or Week 1. Where Mahomes will sprint to either the left or the right side. Tyreek Hill, it's a stick play. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill will run a 3 or 4-yard stick. Tyreek Hill is the fastest guy in the NFL. And it works every single goddamn time. Tyreek Hill is not just the fastest player in the NFL, but also the quickest. That so his hip, his hip rotation, you watch him, the way he releases from the line... And Mahomes has the ability to play with him and Kelsey. Like, you can throw a jump ball to Kelsey at that point, too. But Tyreek Hill gets off, and there's nobody that can guard him man-to-man. And that's why those fourth and one plays work is because Tyreek Hill is unguardable in a short stretch. You let him get past five yards, you can guard him. You can roll your safety over the top. You can roll a linebacker in. But if you're at four yards, it's really hard to run that. Right. You can't stick with him because his hip swivel is so good. And, I mean, Andy Reid, offensive genius. It just it drives me up a wall as a fan, not because it works, but because it's like, how has no one figured out how to stop this play yet? Mm-hmm. I see them run this play at least once a game. Oh, yeah. It drives me fucking crazy because it's like you guys are in the NFL. You guys, this is, oh, this is your job. Yeah. Okay, I'm just a fan having a blue moon on a Sunday, and I know this play is fucking coming. How do you not know this play is not coming? Oh, they know it's coming. They can't stop it. You think that's what it is? Yeah. Unguardable. Yeah, it's unguardable. Because so, here's the deal. If you roll coverage over to Tyreek Hill... Mahomes is going. Mahomes is just going to go. Or you're going to have... You're going to run a... You're going to run a, a crossing route with Kelsey. Or, oh, you, or you're going to roll Edward Lair out of the backfield. Or right. Lev, if he's back with them next year. There's so many weapons that if you take that Tyreek Hill play away, you're going to give a big play to Kelsey. Or you're going to give a big play to Edwards. Or you're, you're trusting your defensive end to be able to go one-on-one with Mahomes. And that's your job as an offensive coordinator is to make that DN choose. That's why the option play works in college is you make that DN choose or whoever has outside contain, you make yep. them choose. That's why people run that option play and it still works in the NFL today is you have to make a choice and if you choose wrong, you just pitch the ball. Right. It Offense has the advantage now, which is great, but... It's hard to stop. It's impossible to stop. And especially when it's that quick explosiveness from Tyree Kill. Kelsey's bigger, faster than linebackers. He's just way bigger than most safeties. So who do you put on him? Yeah. And you don't have a lockdown linebacker that can sit on him and be run as fast as him. You just don't have him because they're playing offense. Yeah. 
You can't put a corner on them because they'll just go over the top. Right. So, you know, you have so many offensive talents now that are bigger, stronger, faster than the defensive players. And that's where you get into you're trying to isolate people one-on-one, and that's what they're doing is they're isolating Tyree Kill and allowing him to win one-on-one every time. Or you're isolating Mahomes and letting him win on one. Or isolation on Kelsey. One of those three is going to win one-on-one, and that's why that play works every time. Every time, dude. It, it, oh man, it would drive me nuts as a coach. That's why a lot of D coordinators lose their job. <laughs> oh man, it's a good thing I'm a fan, not a coach. <laughs> PSA versus BGS, man. Let's get into this a little bit. Okay. Because we were having the discussion, and let's bring up the, the Luka thing. I remember uh, Al brought up to me a few months ago. He said Luka Doncic is vault level in sports cards. Mm-hmm. I said, no, the fuck he isn't. He will be. International as opposed to... It's kind of the same way why soccer is so popular right now. It's the hottest market in the world right now. is because it's international. It's not just one or three or five or seven countries. It's worldwide. Here's why, though. Here's why I say that to him. We'll just start for... Fuck sports cards. Mm-hmm. He is the second biggest star in Dallas. He always will be the second biggest star in Dallas. Dak Prescott is the biggest star in Dallas, Texas. Doesn't matter what happens. He is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I disagree with that. Jerry Jones is the biggest star in Dallas. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. Fair I enough. mean, he, he will always... He will always be behind whatever a Cowboy quarterback is. Yes. Because in Dallas... NBA comes second to football. Right. Unless the Mavs win like three championships, which Luka is a special talent. He will be a special player. Drazen Petrovic was the very same player as him. Petrovic just got hurt in 90 He had the same potential as, as Luka now. And Luka is a very special player, will be a special player in the NBA, hopefully for years and years to come. And I don't disagree with he will be one of the GOATs if he can stay healthy. Was Dirk Nowitzki ever a bigger star than Tony Romo? Because I don't think so. No, but Dirk was never never a top three player in the NBA. At, at Romo the, was never a top three quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, but it's, it's different when you're a quarterback. He's a bigger star announcing the game. We don't even see his face. Well, I mean, he's got a face for TV. <laughs> so, he said Lucas Vault level. You mean fumble, Romo? Oh. oh, my God, dude. That play haunts him. That and then the, the Dez catch. That wasn't a catch, but it's a catch. I guess the Packers. Yeah. I don't know what's a catch anymore in the NFL. I, I, I don't know either. I'm, I'm glad they kind of did away with the Calvin Johnson rule because that was just bullshit. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm wondering whenever they're going to put the tuck rule in place, though. Um, oh, they, uh, when, t- when it happens to Tom Brady again. <laughs> yeah, right. So, anyway, 15,000. Is it base prism? Base Luka, prism 10s. PSA 10s. How many, do you know how many BGS-10 Luka Doncic base prisms there are? I don't. We could probably look it up, though. I mean, sure. But here's, sure. here's the thing is, everyone's in the card grading game now. And when Prism first came out, when Panini released Prism, it was designed to be a retail product with a little bit of hobby. It was designed to be one of the low-end products. But you had all these young collectors coming in, and they were getting these Prisms. And so Prism grew exponentially each year in hype and in value. And what happens is you have so many people sending so many cards now. And we've all opened Prism here. We understand it. Yes. I guarantee you there's not 15,000 centered Luka Doncic's in the world. It's the most overrated brand of cards. Panini, Topps, Bowman, doesn't matter that they make. Prism's the most overrated card on the market. And I'm brand new. None of them are ever centered. Ever. The ones this year are terrible. 
I love Mosaic. Mosaic's not much better than Prism. Well, and Mosaic's got tons of scratches through it. Right. And at some point, like, if you're handing out 10s as water, that hurts the value at some point. Because when you have 15,000 10s of one card, a base rookie, is it... We all know Panini didn't make that many perfect 10s. Right. Already. Mm-hmm. Not even still. I mean, they're like 5 million behind. There's a reason and, they're shut and, down. And here's the, here's the beautiful part with PSA. You could crack a PSA 10, send it to BGS. What are you going to get? You're going to get a 9, maybe a 9.5. Maybe. Maybe a 9.5. Yeah. Maybe. So, at the end of the day, are we... Are we as a market buying into PSA because they'll give us a 10 and we perceive value more on somebody's going to easily hand us something as opposed to BGS where you actually earn a 10 from a graded card? And as a market, that's where we are right now. We're a BGS 9.5, which is equivalent to a PSA 10 all the time, sells for less. That's fine. But at some point, People are going to realize, hey, these PSA 10s are not nearly as centered or as perfect as that BGS 9.5. So the market's going to flip and it's going to change. And my personal belief is you want to be ahead of that market. You want to be owning more of the BGS 9.5s and the true 10s if you can get a 10 or the black label 10. The black label 10 population, you you have the numbers in front of you. The black label population of that Luka Doncic Prism 10 is probably under 5 I would guess, maybe 10. But that black label, you can pretty much write your own price for. PSA has so many that they've watched the value go from 1200 to 600 in less than five months because there's oh. so many pop reports. Dude, a, a, you ain't wrong, man. So a, a, a PSA 10, Luca, are, they're listed. I, I don't have completed sales at $1,200 on eBay. Mm-hmm. A black label BGS 10, $150,000. Just listed, so, not sold. Yeah, totally. So that's selling for more than $1,200. Uh-huh. So as if, if we're a collector, why are we taking something where we can get maybe a 10 from PSA, probably a 10 from PSA, right? and not trying to go get the BGS Black Label, which is the holy grail in cards, in my opinion? You just stated the values. Would you rather have something worth twelve hundred dollars perceived value or hundred and fifty k perceived value? Oh, the rookie revolution's a quarter of a million dollars. That's what I'm saying. So why, as collectors, are we buying the instant gratification of trying for a PSA ten to hope it sells more when we can have that black label? So obviously, you've been in the game way longer than me. Why mm-hmm. is PSA perceived as the top notch? Perceived as the the highest bidder, if you will, compared to because I, I literally don't. I never heard of a black label till three days ago. I didn't even know that was a thing that gave out in BGS. So BGS. Why do we love PSA so much? BG or people love PSA is SoCal company. They have a SoCal office. One of the card meccas is SoCal. You have a lot of money in SoCal, so guys can go drop off cards at PSA not have to deal with a second-hand dealer or something to send to PSA. So they can go drop them off and then get them back in a few weeks. And that's why PSA started to gain traction. Back at BGS's offices are in Dallas. Mm. So not as much money in Dallas as there is in LA. So that's why the market, and you have more, and I don't know this for a fact, but I would guess you would have more basketball, football collectors in LA than you would baseball. 
because you look at the numbers for baseball in LA as opposed to the numbers for baseball in Dallas. And so I believe that's why PSA's numbers are higher. Um, you just have more money there and you have a quicker turnaround for PSA. You can walk into office and, and deal cards that way. Um, in SoCal and you have so many more outreaches into PSA that that's why but also like PSA's made their bed like PSA has made that bed that they've given out too many tens and they don't grade in halves so it's either a nine or a ten yep what happens if the card's in the middle and they have human graders oh this is a ten this is a ten now PSA just bought a computer system way to do what BGS did five years ago good job PSA it's not like you're not making a shit ton of money. You have five million cards backlogged. What are and you guys doing? I can doing? only get a card graded if I spend three or six hundred dollars right now. Currently, yes. Until at least July first. That's two months. Well, and if you look at their pop reports and you look at the numbers every month, I don't believe it's July first. I believe it's more like December first. You look at how many cards they have. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, December first, yeah. early twenty twenty two, before 100%. they're even remotely caught up. Right. And I hope I'm wrong in that statement, but I look at the pop reports every week and you look and you can see how many cards are graded and then estimation of how many cards are going in. Like, you're making your money, PSA. Why, why are you not hiring more people? Were you surprised that this many people are grading cards? <laughs> the the and a, boom started last year. And a lot of it is, too, is they grade a lot of Pokemon and they yes, and yes, yes Pokemon's yes. a huge market right now. Hundred percent. And PSA and CCG are the two big guys in Pokemon. I don't see a ton of Beckett or BGS in Pokemon grading. Can I send? I'm not a Pokemon guy. Sorry to cut you off, but if, I, if, if there's any Pokemon people listening, can I send my cards to BGS? Well, will they still grade them for me? Is it just sports cards? I believe they will. I think they're trying to start to dabble in that market, but okay. but also like if you're B, sending to BGS, you're paying half the price. And you're waiting half the time. And you have, you also have the the potential for 15 times the value, 20 times the value, if you get the BGS Black Label 10. So why are we as a culture buying into this PSA 10 like it's the holy grail? Kind of feels like the Bears trading up for Mitch Trubisky at two when we're <laughs> letting... The third pick. <laughs> when we're letting Patrick Mahomes slide to 10. And Deshaun Watson, the 12. Yeah, exactly. Who won the national championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And clearly was a better talent than Trubisky. Right. And passed the eye test. So, like, I think we're missing the boat as collectors and people in the card community by not sending more to BGS or trying to, I mean, I'm, I've only held one HGA. Not a super big fan of them. SGC is okay, but they just don't hold the value like all the other companies. Um... You know, there's other companies out there, but why are why are we as a community in the card community buying into the PSA hype? Because you have certain people only wanting to send to PSA, like Sasha T. Love Sasha T. Watches YouTube videos all the time. If you guys don't watch him, go check him out. He buys slabs all the time, and he'll break back at stuff and send it to PSA because his 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 motto is in and out. So he wants to buy something low, sell it high. Buy something low, sell it high, and. He's all about PSA. That's a quick return. Well, he's not in the investment game long term. A long term, don't you want to go get a BGS 10? Or a Black Label 10? Because isn't that more value? I'm looking it up right now. A 2019. This is Luca's second year. 2019 Panini Prism Silver Prism. Uh, Luka Doncic number 75 BGS 10 pristine black label that's the whole mm -hmm. description uh, last sold April 22nd which was about 10 days ago for 8 grand second year 
second year. PSA 10 Prism Base. And, and you know, I get the silver. Silvers are like the, if you don't have the auto or the RPA or mm-hmm. someone, silver is the next step down. You want the silver. I, I, I'm correct, and I don't know if yeah. I am. Okay. You want the silver for any of these guys. $8,000. Mm-hmm. PSA 10, $1,600 yesterday. What are we doing as a card community? Shouldn't we be trying for you're, that BGS? But here's thing? the thing, man. You're the first guy to tell me this shit. You're the first guy to bring up, and I don't talk to a ton of people. Um, I don't know if you know of any guys like in the page and whatnot. I won't name names because mm-hmm. I don't want to shit on anyone. But everyone, you know, and this isn't like a Ken thing or whatever either. But you know, he loves PSA. He does. I don't hear anything about BGS, and I wonder if you're right where you're more ahead of the curve. I remember I was talking to a guy. Shout out to Jared Souza. I doubt he's listening. Um, that's fucked up. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if you know Jared Souza on the Compass Sports Card. Page. I've seen him on there. I've never actually had a conversation with Jared, but he. So on the first episode of the Moral Compass podcast, Ken was saying Jared told him go vintage. This is February tenth, eleventh, right after the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Vintage has come around. Yeah, I feel like you are the guy that go BGS come September October when PSA still isn't open and we're flooding the BGS gates. It's going to be a moment of clarity. Well, and if I'm right, we can stand here and beat the drum on another podcast. If I'm wrong, hey, we can tell me I'm wrong. But at some point in business, how it works is you have to be ahead of the curve. You have to be ahead of everybody else. You that's have what to, we're all in this for. You have to think two or three steps ahead to actually make money in this game. Yeah. And that's the thing is you have to think about Justin Herbert. We'll use Justin Herbert as an example. You have to be thinking, okay, he start, he's sitting behind Tyrod Taylor last year until the physician punctures a lung. Yes. With a cortisone right. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to be thinking, okay, I'm going to go buy Herbert just to sit on him. If you did that, you're a genius. Well, you're ahead of uh, the curve. And 100%. that's the thing is, are we going to sit back and go with where all the masses are going, or are you going to try to think ahead of the curve? And that's where I'm trying to be is like, as a businessman, I'm trying to think, okay, hey, am I going to try to be ahead of the curve, or I'm going to play into what the masses think? I've never been a guy personally to ever believe what the masses believe because of hysteria or hype. I want to be thinking ahead of the curve, thinking ahead of everybody else. That way I'm out in front. And then in business, it's so liquid that you have to think, you have to be continually thinking. Is that going to be always be the truth? If everyone floods BGS, is that the truth still? Black labels, probably. But it goes in cycles. It's kind of like, we'll use, we'll use it as an example. And I told you the other day, it's like Ford and Chevy and Dodge have been making trucks for how long? Long time. World War One, yeah. World War Two. You look yeah. at the sales... And they're steady. Yep. You look at sales of Nissan, Toyota, trucks in the last five years, they're through the roof. Would you rather have something that somebody's been making it since the 30s or somebody's been making it for 15, 20 years? And when we get back into that game, yeah. Beckett's been grading cards forever. Yeah, 1981. 1981, they've been grading cards since. I'm going to look up the PSA, unless you know the PSA. Year. I don't know the year PSA started okay. grading. Let's see this real quick. I want to see how long. And Beckett offers subgrades. You can pay $3 more or $4 more and get subgrades. So what's a subgrade? So a subgrade is they're going to grade your corners. They're going to grade your edging. They're going to grade your surface. They're going to show you exactly where this card is flawed. With PSA, you just get the card back and you're like, oh, sweet, this is a 9. Or this is a 5. Why is it a 5? You're guessing why it's a 5. PSA 91. Hmm. Beckett 81. So why is this a society or a culture or community of collectors are we buying into the younger brother hype brand new Mm -hmm. 
Is it the, would this have something to do with the slabs? Because I know slabs are a big thing, but I feel like the VGS slabs yeah, are thicker. Are I They're like them better. more. And my they, John 9.5 slabs way fucking better than my CTA 9 fucking Kobe. Yeah, way cleaner. They also come in, in sleeved in plastic, where PSA does not do that. Like, I noticed that. We're I getting way that. more yeah, yeah. value, and you're getting way more for your money from Beckett than you are from PSA. So I don't understand... Personally, I don't understand the infatuation with PSA. I mean, that's a personal opinion. It's a hot take, and I understand it's super hot right now. But at some point, people are going to realize, I get more from Beckett. I have potential to earn more with the BGS Black Label. Why am I sending this to PSA to get watered-down numbers? And PSA's made that bed that they're going to have to lay in at some point where they're grading too many cards at a 10. It's hard to pull a card out of a pack that's been shipped across the country multiple times, shaken and scratched, thrown, thrown yeah. pull it out of a pack and send it to get a 10. A 10 should be something that's special. Rare. Rare. Yeah. Not given out like it's water. The filet mignon of the card game. It kind of reminds me like we're given a participation trophy because, oh, it's, it's almost there, so we'll just give you a participation trophy. We'll give you a 10 because it's almost a 10. I want to give the prices real quick okay. for BGS compared to PSA. Mm-hmm. So, and this is a PSA is shut down for everyone that doesn't know. You should know at this point if you're into grading, uh, grading cards and all until at least July one. Mm-hmm. I think it goes to January one. That's just me. I, I agree. Economy, thirty five dollars a card. PSA usually twenty. Fine. Economy. Cool. Well, they raised their they double their prices. It's, they did. It's at forty now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm looking at something different. There. Okay, okay, gotcha. We'll, we'll just go with the premium okay. and the express. Yeah. BGS, no subgrade, $100. Uh-huh. Regular Express, $150. PSA, now $300 for Express. Double. Funny you bring that up. Premium, which I assume is the PSA walkthrough, basically. For mm-hmm. BGS, $250 a card. PSA, $600 a card. Saving money. If you get the black label, it's the holy grail. The filet mignon, as I say. The, mm-hmm. the, I, I like filet mignon. The, yeah. the, the wagyu, I guess, actually, yeah. uh, of, the, of the game. That's crazy, man. I, I, I hope you're right because what I'm thinking about doing, I have a, a shout out to Ken, very mm-hmm. generous for doing this. I, he told me he wouldn't do it for anybody else. I'm putting them on Front Street. I came and traded my whole fucking collection basically, and mm-hmm. there was good shit in there. I gave yeah. him a fucking Genesis KD first year Nets card, yeah. PSA 9. That's a fucking monster card if they won the title, mm-hmm. which is looking pretty good right now. Um, for a CTA 9, which by the way, what the fuck is CTA real quick? No idea. Okay. Uh, see, <laughs> it says mint, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, a CTA yeah. 9, yeah. Uh, Kobe Bryant tops rookie. Not the chrome, because the chrome is out of my fucking ballpark. We'll, hey, we'll talk about, we'll get into this chrome paper debate here in just a second, and I'll explain what why chrome is more expensive and why how that translates into today's card game. In okay. just a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I traded him all that for, for literally one goddamn card. Mm-hmm. But even the CTA 9 Kobe, the last one sold in February for $900. Mm-hmm. If I crack that slab, which I will, and send it to BGS for $250 a card premium, I'll get it back in a month. And if I want to sell it when he goes into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. if it comes back a, a, an 8, a 9, 9.5, I don't think it'll be a black label. It's from 96. Yeah. Fine. I'm not expecting a black label. Um, I could probably sell it for two or $3,000. Will I? I don't know. Because I think maybe in 10 years, that's a $10,000 card. Mm-hmm. It's like Kobe Bryant tops rookie. Yeah. That's the holy grail of cards. Mm-hmm. I was showing my mom and grandma, they don't give a fuck about cards. I told them, this is the holy grail of cards. Uh-huh. You don't see this card that often. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, go ahead on the... And don't get me wrong, I know it's not the Chrome, but that's a pretty cool moment. I've it's been still, in the game six months. It's I have still a, a great moment. Tops Kobe rookie. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tough, man. No, it is, 100%. And there's a reason I just sat here. And we've got to a point as collectors now, and what we've done to the market with all of this prism and mosaic retail releases we've watered down the base rookies so your prism base lamello ball rookie is gonna be if lamello ball continues his path or zion or luca he's another one that just i don't get it mm-hmm. he's a center um, but you continue that that evolution and they become transcendent players one of them pans out to be the next kobe or whatever you look back, their base prism, which is a chrome card, is going to be the paper rookie from 96, tops, Kobe. What's chrome and paper? So so your paper, so your paper rookie. Were, so I have a paper. So you have the paper rookie. Okay. So not chromed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's the chrome version, which is the insert version. Now, with prism, it's it's already a chromed card. So basically, you know, it's a shiny card. Now that's going to become a paper equivalent to that Kobe card mm. where the silver mm. Mm. is going to become your true rookie card. Because when you're chasing a rookie, you're chasing that chrome Kobe Bryant. Do you know what a PSA 9 or a BGS 9 of Kobe rookie sells for? I can look it up. I can surely look it up. I'm guessing probably over 20K. It's Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Before he, as you guys say, hopped in the helicopter, he was one of the seven greatest players to ever live. In the sport, second grade or second greatest player? You think second? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody. Uh, I mean, and I'm a '90s. Was in junior high school in the '90s. Nobody ever be Michael Jordan. And this is not a a knock on LeBron because I think he is a transcendent talent. He just he's not Kobe Bryant and he's not Michael Jordan. See, the Kobe debate's interesting. I'll give you Jordan. Jordan, fine. I I, I don't think he's Kobe Jordan had either. that killer instinct and. When I'm talking greatest of all time, I want that killer instinct. LeBron doesn't have that killer instinct. You really want the ball in LeBron's hands at the end of the game? Uh, well, he just missed the other night against the Sacramento Kings. Okay. Jordan missed a lot of shots, but I'm asking you as a Laker fan, do you have confidence when he you're, you're down two in the playoffs that he's going to hit a, a game-tying or game-winning shot? Story time. Mm-hmm. Western Conference Finals last year, game two in the bubble. LeBron, Rajon Rondo said this after the game. I lock eyes with LeBron. He doesn't move. Doesn't even fucking blink. Anthony Davis, over the top, swing, three ball, all net, game over. That tells me everything I need to know. I'm just saying. the play, But, but the play was for LeBron. Totally. He, he was supposed to do what AD did. He didn't move. Basketball chemistry is off the charts. LeBron's like his best bud, whatever. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, maybe they drew it up that way. It doesn't sound like it, though. Rondo kind of put him out on front street. Like, yeah, LeBron kind of Here's the thing. You <laughs> think, away. You look back to the the Jazz Bulls final. There was nobody taking that shot besides Michael Jordan. It was of- fun. The whole arena, everyone on TV, Bob Costas, Isaiah Thomas, everyone knew. It's going in. Not even that he's just taking it. He's going to win the finals right here. It's funny because watching the doc, watching the video back, you can hear the crowd. You just, it's in the air, dude. I watched that thing live and I knew it was in as soon as it left his hand. As soon as the ball is stolen from Carl Malone and he picks it up, everyone knows what's going to happen. Everyone knows it's going to happen. And shove off or not, I don't care. It, It was all met. The whistle didn't blow, did it? 
the most iconic shot in the history of the NBA. By far. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. And I'm I a mean, Laker fan who loves Kobe and you, LeBron. Yeah, so. you just and you can't name a moment like that for LeBron where he has or that. Or even Kobe for that instance. I mean, but Kobe still was Kobe would rip your heart out. He would. But his most iconic shots were always regular season. The shot over D Wade. Yeah. The 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 two shots in Portland. The three shots against the Raptors right before he tore his a uh, week or two before he tore his Achilles. Like they were always regular season. There's not too many. I mean, I guess the Phoenix Suns in round one when they eventually fucking lost was his most iconic playoff shot. But you Jordan's st- was game six of the finals. You still go back to Kobe's last year, and I remember watching that game where he went off for eighty one. Was in the eighty one. Sixty. Sixty. His last sixty. Game. He went 60. off for sixty. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching that game, and I was flipping back and forth between a Warriors game and that game, and I'm a Warriors fan. I don't like to tell people that because there's too many fucking bandwagon Warriors fans. 73-9 game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 73-9 game. Uh, there's too many Warriors fans now who weren't there when I was there during the TMC, run TMC days. Tim Hardaway, or Mitch Richmond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, that's a – problem with societies we're all over teams when they win but we don't want to be there when they lose right but i remember flipping back and forth and just watch knowing i was watching history that night as i was watching kobe and like i hated kobe as a player i respected him but i hated him as a player because i knew he was just better than everybody else right it's kind of the same thing with lebron i hate watching him as a player but right now in the league he's still better than most I don't even know, like, can, you can make the argument he's not the best player in the league anymore. And mm. no time mm. during mm. Jordan's career could you make that argument after the first two years that Jordan wasn't the best player in the league. He was the best player in the league the year he retired. I know. I was watching The Last Dance, and it's like, oh, everyone still thought he was the best player. Like, I didn't realize that. Like, Well, and here's the deal. He was still the best player in the league when he was playing baseball. He was that the best too. player in basketball. That too. And he would have won eight straight ships if... I, see, that's where I disagree. That, I dis- Elijah, eight straight? Olajuwon and Drexler were not beating him in the finals. The such thing as fatigue, though. Eight straight finals. You don't think baseball's a grind on your body? No! You, you ever played a summer of baseball? I have not. I'm not running nearly as much. I'm not jumping as fast or jumping as high. I'm not running as. He's hard. an outfielder. I, and you're if running. If he was a fucking DH, I go to the plate three times a game, four times if I'm lucky. It's still a mental Hopefully game. Hopefully, I hit a ball to Jupiter. That's all I do. Look how fucking fat David Ortiz and Barry Bonds were. Two of the greatest hitters to ever live. They played the game mentally better than everybody else. You look at the Bonds Gagne at bat, and you watch the chess game that happened in that at bat between a Cy Young Award winner and. Arguably the greatest hitter of all time. No offense to Ted Williams fans. But <laughs> yes, so what? it's just one of those things where you watch that at bat and you just watch Bonds come out on top and you threw him any pitch that was hittable. He played the chess game. He knew what the pitcher was doing before they did. And baseball is a mental grind as well as a physical grind. There's a taxing... It's taxing on your body, but it's also taxing on your mind. And he was using that... Uh, to get his mind right for basketball. I believe in my heart of hearts that they win eight straight championships. They're the best team in the league. Oh, we, we can debate it until we're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. We can't prove anything. No, totally. We can prove he won six. Yeah. I want to six go back six, real quick. Six by the way. 100%. With six finals MVPs. Yeah, weird. Six and oh, never saw a game seven either. Huh. LeBron's won two game sevens. Okay. Clutch. Uh, Jordan Clutch. didn't let it get to seven. Jordan didn't let it get to seven. And Even how, Kobe won a game many, seven. How many finals has LeBron lost? Uh... How many? 
Huh. Seven, I think. No. He's he's lost as many as Jordan's won. Weird. Oh, so, yeah, he's four and six. He's four and six. Yeah. I mean, hey, congratulations for getting there ten times. Eight straight. That's Se- pretty impressive. Second place is like kissing your sister. You want to talk about eight straight, though? That 2018 Cavs team. Uh, they shouldn't beat the Warriors. I'll give him that one. What the fuck was that team? You still had Ky- you had Kyrie Irving, Uncle Drew. No, you Drew. didn't. You, Kyrie Irving was on the, on 2018. No, oh, he got traded yeah, to Boston. Yeah. yeah. And then he decided that he wanted to be Uncle Drew and drink Pepsi, so he didn't want to fucking play. Uh, So let's go back to this uh, (laughs) Kobe Bryant fucking Topps rookie card. Just to uh, bring this home, as I like to say on on the podcast. Sold May 1st. This is yesterday. Mm -hmm. Recording this on the 2nd. 1996 Topps basketball Kobe Bryant rookie RC number 138 PSA 10 gem mint. $5,100. $5,100. 1996 Topps Basketball Kobe Bryant Rookie RC Number 138 BGS 10 Pristine Black Label $9,300 I'm sending my card to Beckett Because if for On some reason On God's Green Earth I get a black label Or a 9.5 I still think I'm going to look this up I think a 9.5 Would sell more than a PSA 10 Uh And that's That's 5 grand And you're not talking Jump change there You're talking $4,500 more (laughs) That's like paying off my car kind of shit. Well, and not that's just, like moving city. Not just that, but then you're saving money by sending it to BGS. BGS nine point five, twelve hundred dollars. PSA ten, five grand. So it does make a humongous. You got to get the ten. Yeah, you got to get, get a ten. BGS. A nine sold for five seventy two. Uh, Eight point five, four fifty six. So it, there's a humongous drop off from the black label mm-hmm. to. But if you get the black label. Another one sold April 30th, the day before, for $6,100. day before that, $6,200. Mm-hmm. This is insane. $15,000 fucking dollars. That's what I'm saying. I have that card. I know. but I'm, I'm excited about it. Kobe's hey, my favorite player. Did you look up the Chrome? Oh, Jesus Christ, no. These are just the fucking papers. That's just paper. Let's get to Chrome. Let's get to the Chrome. Because that's what, the new sil- that's what Silver's going to become, is the new Chrome. That's going to be your... "Quote unquote holy grail rookie is the silver." Okay, so while I look this up, explain that to the listeners. Why is silver the one that we have chosen as uh, collectors to become the new chrome? Why is silver the one we gravitate towards? Because silver is re- regulated more. It's a short print, so they don't print as many silvers because you can get four silvers, five silvers a box. Same thing with the chromes. You, it was an insert. It was special. It would there, there was brevity when you pulled it. You're like, oh hey, look, this is a silver. Not like, oh, cool, I pulled like six Lamello bases out of my case. You may be lucky to pull one silver out of a case. Right. And that's why I think at some point the silvers become the actual true chase rookie. You want to hear how much a PSA 9.5, or uh, sorry, uh, BGS 9.5 Chrome Kobe goes for? 40 Sold grand. April 5th. Dude, $80,588. A BGS 9.5 Chrome Kobe. Nine point, not even a black label. I can't even find a black label that's sold. Because there's probably I assume not they're auction one. houses. There's probably, yeah, either there are auction houses doing three, two, three million dollars, or there's not one. One of the two. A BGS 10 paper Kobe. BGS 10, not not even black label, just BGS 10. So also, let's get into that after this real quick. Okay. Uh, the difference between the black label yeah. and the 10, because they're pretty similar. But uh, 62 grand. Tops Chrome, PSA 10, Kobe Bryant. 30 grand two days ago. 80 grand to 30 grand. I feel like we're in San Francisco in 1815 where the Golden Gate eventually went and you just 
found gold somewhere. I mean... This is blowing my mind. I thought PSA was the end-all, be-all. And, and BGS was just some other fucking company that's how we out got, there. Like, that's what we first learned is P- PSA. Like, Ken's like, oh yeah, PSA. Yeah, great. thanks, Ken. Yeah, <laughs> no, thanks, Ken. <laughs> and here's the thing. I don't, I'm not trying to knock PSA, but you have to think outside the box sometimes. You have to think and not go with what the whole community is going towards. Everyone's going to PSA. Beckett as, or BGS at some point is going to... They've been doing it longer. That's... Yeah. It's just... And they grade hard cards tougher. So the difference between a BGS 10 and a BGS Black Label 10 yeah. is for you to get a BGS Black Label 10, every every Nuance. subgrade of the card has to grade a 10. Yeah. Surface, centering, corners, edges, all have to grade 10. That's a Black Label. Uh, how many of those have you ever seen or held? I've, I've held a couple. I've held like three. Do you have any Black Labels? I don't personally have a Black Label. It's my chase personally is to find a Black Label. Um, or obtain wow. a black label or something personally out of my collection that I can get a black label. Um, Any BGS 10? I have a couple of BGS 10. I have a pretty nasty BGS 9.5 Justin Herbert Auto 10. And that's another thing is mm-hmm. you don't have to pay extra when you send an autograph or you pay a dollar extra for them to grade your autograph on the back. And Beckett also BGS, Beckett BGS in company. Yeah, yeah, Beckett and BGS are the same thing. So when you get a 9, it's a silver label. When it's a 10 or a 9.5, you get a gold label. So you can automatically look at the card and know exactly what it is without even having to look at the subgrades or look at the grading. Yeah. PSA, one label. The value to me as a, as a sports card investor and a collector is in BGS. It's just an untapped market. This is absolutely, I, I had no idea. This was even a thing, to be honest with you. I, I didn't know. And that. most people are are not this way of thinking in, are not in this line of thinking in the card market, and that's that's where we're all missing out right now, and that's where I think the market should go. I just don't. Why has Beckett fell behind like this? Is it just for the slabs? I feel like there's just something deeper to this. Is just because I think it, it was cheaper. I mean, because that's not the case anymore. It's a cultural phenomenon, I believe. And so it's kind of, it's one of those things where follow the leader. I think you had a couple of guys banging the drum for PSA and then everybody's like, oh, you got to send it to PSA. You got to send it to PSA. You got to like send Gary it to PSA. V or, Gary V. Uh, Famous Dave. Or, or Sasha T. Or all those guys are yeah. sending everything to PSA. Which Vegas is, Dave, yeah. Yeah, Vegas Dave, which yeah, is great. Douche. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. But that's not just. The market doesn't dictate that's where I should send that. The market dictates if I'm actually looking for true, honest value, I should be sending it to BGS. And that's what I don't get. Like, I don't fully fathom why PSA is so far ahead of BGS in, in cards they grade a year. When, it's starting to pull back. Well, it's starting to pull back, and that's yeah. because of... PSA's inc- own doing. Yeah, PSA's incompetency. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a business and you see that many cards coming in and you know you're already backlogged, you think as a business owner, you'd be like, shit, I better hire somebody. I better figure something out. I want to challenge this point, though. First of all, if I'm PSA, I think the uh, president of PSA was on. Have you ever heard of Sports Card Nonsense mm-hmm. podcast on The Ringer? Yeah. So they, you probably heard the interview. He was on there saying that, you know, we can't just hire you or me to come and grade cards. You got to be able to actually recognize that shit. So, you granted, can train people. I, I understand that you have 5 million cars backed up, but I can't just go hire George to grade this fucking 
Kobe Bryant tops paper, right? We we so, established he prefers Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. yeah, no, and and there so, is something so to that. I, I think there's a little. I'll give him a little space in that, but also, you had a whole year of a pandemic. You didn't want to hire. Like, you can't find anyone from Beckett. You can't pull people from different companies. If you're the end-all, be-all, you're able to do that, I feel like. Well, and if you have the business foresight to realize, oh, shit, we're in a sports card boom right now, we better hire somebody. Or we better start training people. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. Or you should have cut it off sooner. You were, you work you work at Sprouts. Yes, I do. Did you know how to stock the dairy case before you worked at Sprouts? No. I could have figured out how to do the milk but everything else. What, what happened? They... Trained Train me. You. Yeah. George. Shout out to Sprouts. Well, yeah, shout out to Sprouts. <laughs> Great food. Uh, the ahi tuna is amazing. Oh, my God. I'm going to go home um, and have some. What, what do you do? Uh, build retaining walls and stuff. Okay, did you know how to build a retaining wall before you started there? Uh-uh. What'd what they do? Taught me. They trained you. Huh, weirdest thing. I do construction. Do a lot of finished drywall. Did I know how to do it before I started? No. You know what? They trained me. So that's not an excuse as a business owner. If you want to... If you want to further your business you have to train your assets to make you more money and that's where i think psa's missed the boat like how do you ever let yourself get five million cards behind is that just one location or the whole company that's the whole company that's still okay, a lot okay. of cards that's still a ton of cards that's a yeah, lot yeah. of cards that's a lot of money sitting in psa fuck if they ever get robbed or ran up in <laughs> people don't bring that up and i'm not a criminal if, if someone ever decides fuck them or it's tough out here. It's it's still COVID. It's still mm-hmm. people are broke, government cheese, whatever. It's tough. Well, it's unless like, you live in the state of California, then we just give free money to everybody. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. But just run up in there and get some PSA cards. I would imagine their security systems are probably pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's fair. There's still a lot of cards there, Dude, there, there is a lot of cards there. <laughs> Five million's a lot, man. Five million of the little marshmallows that come in the pack. That's a lot. Yeah. Five million of anything's a lot. Yeah. Five million of anything is a lot of stuff. I I just I can't fathom how you let your I don't understand their business model at that point. How do you let yourself get that far behind? That's like building a retaining wall and you got like two miles of retaining wall to build and you're still taking stuff in. At some point you gotta catch up before you can take more work. Right. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, well I got two miles of retaining wall to build, but I just took a job where we got about forty six more miles and after that it's like seventeen more miles and they're all supposed to be done in like three weeks. They paid for it to be done in like a month. Oh, but here, here, here! What we'll do is we'll we'll make it so where we're only taking jobs that are going to pay for them to be done in three weeks, but we're really getting them done in like six months. That's another thing. P- I mean, I paid a certain fee to, and it's not Ken's fault or anyone else's to get my shit back in two months. I sent him in in November. He just got the grades. Cards aren't even fucking here. It's May. He got the grades. Mm-hmm. Thank God he got the grades. Thank God I'm not still stressing over my silver burrow because I just don't care about it anymore because I have the Kobe and I'm just on a different type of labor yeah. right now. But, I mean, he just got the grades back six months later. Mm-hmm. I paid $250 six months ago. And that's frustrating as if I got a PSA 5. And that's frustrating if you're a collector. You're kind of like, what the hell? Why did I pay so much for something for seven, eight months at PSA? I paid Express. Yeah. I, I and didn't you... pay Economy. No, I know. I, I sat in the front of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't sit... I'm going to pay to sit in the back. Right? <laughs> I, I'm fully, I'm with you, and I would be frustrated if I had anything at PSA. And don't get me wrong, I bought some PSA slabs. I have PSA slabs. And right. We're not saying PSA's dog shit. No, not at all. I just, I don't understand their business model, and I don't understand why the hype is there and the value is there. It's kind of like 
how they hype certain players, and I just they don't pass the eye test. Yeah, Lonzo 100%. Ball, Lonzo, Lonzo, perfect example. Coming out, his dad was beating the train that he's a better shooter than Steph Curry. You could watch his jump shot and be like, "Yeah, sorry, dude, that's not the truth." Jordan would need help. He yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lonzo's been in the league four years. <laughs> yeah. He's not an all star. His little brother is better. Oh. And way better. 100%. He gets way better looking chicks. I mean, if we're going to be honest. Well, have you seen his jump shot? It's hard to get chicks with that jump shot. Yeah, yeah, fair. I mean, it's a pretty ugly jump his shot. His baby mama left him, too. That's crazy. I feel like we have, I pulled up a little meme. I feel like we've been uh, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, hoodwinked, flat out deceived by PSA. It sounds like BGS is the way to go. Um, Personal opinion. They the best. Personal opinion. I mean, I think we've been hoodwinked and bamboozled and run amok and led astray. Uh, I, I think we've been Levar Bald. <laughs> Five hundred dollars shoes for not a fifty dollars player. Yeah, we've been big <laughs> bottle branded. Uh, I just, I mean, you got to back it up, basically. Yeah, exactly. You got to back it up. Back it up. You're gonna raise the prices. You got to get people their shit back twice as quicker uh-huh. than they expect, not twice as long as they expect. Back it up and then back it up with the values. Right. And your pop reports, which is population reports for everybody to yeah. understand, your population reports are so huge because you're handing out 10s on cards that aren't 10s. I can't believe this difference in just the paper. This is so crazy to me. This is so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. 80 grand compared to 30 grand mm-hmm. for the Chrome. Yep. That's not even a black. I can't find a black label Chrome. I'm going to assume they go for two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000. Oh, yeah. And then you wonder why so many sports cards are selling over million dollars is because there's so few of them so if you're holding a black label you gotta be loving life and, and then why is sell. yeah why is our why is as collectors aren't we trying for those black labels yeah you may not ever obtain one but why do you stop trying it's like people that play the lottery they don't ever stop trying to play the lottery yep even or if you don't casino. win yeah exactly or go to the casino what what's the difference there is, I, it's just a weird thing where, well, I have to try now. I have to try. Well, it's a cultural phenomenon with PSA, I think, and it's become popular in the subculture and all of our cultural that we have going in, in America right now is that PSA is the hot brand. It's kind of like um, I prefer to wear Adidas shoes, but mm. they fit my feet better, but everybody else loves Nike. They do. Checks over stripes. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. Yeah. yeah. So you like Nike. I'm an Adidas guy. <laughs> sure. And yeah. so it, it, that's what it all boils down to. And Nike has this huge marketing machine. PSA has the same thing. And they have this cultural phenomenon going on that they're, they're the only slab that matters. And it's not true. What are your hopes for Compass, man, going forward? Well, what's the plan for Compass? I know we talked about how you kind of want, I hate to say franchising, it just sounds like a restaurant thing, but kind of franchise Compass sports cards, open a second one on the coast maybe. I mean, what's the future? No, I want off the coast. Um, I okay. want to be with my family all the time. Uh, the, the goal is is that we are the largest sports card shop in, the, in Northern California, in true Northern California. I'm talking like SAC North and southern oregon we had somebody come in yesterday from eastern oregon and was like man i I love that you guys are in shop and you guys have all these products and that's what the goal is is to be able to grow our inventory and grow what we have in shop and and create 
a thriving shop so everybody can collect their stuff in store locally instead of doing everything online because there's dang it's dangerous on ebay it's dangerous on you know purchasing online because you get guys ebay protects the buyer not the sellers yep and that's the it's the scariest thing and so for for us our hope is to grow this business and grow it to the point where you know I don't have to work construction to pay for my family that this is supporting what I need out of my family and growing the shop. Do we want to be in this location forever? No. I, I hope someday that this shop, we look at it as we do the other shop. It was just way too small. And this is probably three times the size of that. I'd love yep. to be in a place three times the size of this yeah. or four times. And create an environment where kids love to come in and just seeing the smile on their face. We had a kid pull a Charizard the other night. <laughs> And I know nothing about Pokemon. I try, and I just, I don't understand it personally. Yeah. But it's big. So I try to learn it. Kid pulled a Charizard with seven grand in here. Last sold, a lot with seven grand right Last now. Cold, sold comps were seven grand raw. And so for me, yeah. seeing the smile on his face that night makes being a part of this all I need to know. And like yesterday, we had probably 100 people come through the doors. And to me, that's... Being, them being able to get stuff locally, especially with Panini saying that they're going to stop selling blasters to Walmart and Target and pull products out of there because of the chaos and the flipping and other people making money, which makes sense. And hopefully it puts it back in the local card shops because when I was a kid, I loved to spend time in my local card shop. I want this place, I want Compass Sports Cards to be somewhere where everyone feels welcome, everyone comes in and, and knows that they're welcome. Whether you collect Pokemon, whether you collect football, baseball, basketball, you're in here as an investor. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you come in, you feel comfortable, and you shop local. Like, you talked about Troy Parrott. I love Good Times Pizza. Oh, he's good friends with Troy. He's oh, the one that kind of set that up for me. I know, I know, I know yeah. Big Poom actually yesterday. I actually went and saw Big Poom Softball last night. King, right? Yeah. I got to stop in there and get those, uh, the honey uh, habanero wings or whatever. He told but me he's like. Do yourself like, a favor yeah. and order the uh, garlic parm bites, too. Okay. Yeah. But, I love good times in Troy. Shout I, out to them. Yeah, I love Troy too. And yeah. I actually was in there last night. I actually sold him a helmet, and I was collecting. And he hooked us up with pizza for the opening. And he calls you Sambo. He's, he like, he's like, I, I know Sambo. He's yeah. like, I, I don't know Ken. He's, he's a funny joker, but I know Sambo. Yeah, he knows me. And, me yeah. and we go back years playing softball against each other. <laughs> and it's one of those things. I love Troy, but I choose to go to good times over anywhere else because it's local, and I know Troy. And I want that to be what this business is, is yeah, we may not at this moment have the best pricing, but the more boxes we can sell, the more stuff we can, the more inventory we can move, the lower our rate goes, the more allocation we can get. And then when we get allocation pricing, then we can beat big box chains. We can beat still city collectibles. We can beat blowout cards, but we have to get to that allocation. We have to move a certain amount. And that's something that's not understood in the card game is like, oh, you're the card shop and they're, they're selling it for like, 60 bucks more than I can get it online. Well, you got to factor you're paying sales tax, you're paying shipping, you're paying the wait time. With us, you don't have to do that. By the like, time you're done, you could have Yeah, you, you're going to come in and pay sales tax because we all have to pay that, but you're right. going to you don't have to wait, you don't have to pay shipping, you don't have to you can buy you can get something on release day. Which <laughs> is huge. Good luck with that at Walmart or Target. Exactly. Yeah, good luck. Um and even with the big box chains, like you order something on Steel City, and they'll be like, "Oh well, uh, it'll ship out release day." And there's something to opening boxes of 
Bowman. It's like Christmas, dude. It is. Uh, to a certain and, extent. Like I couldn't I couldn't fathom I'd be here now when I was a kid because I struggled to buy single cards. And I would get single cards and I'd buy a pack and I'd get a cool card out of it and trade it to somebody else and now I can open boxes. And opening boxes is like my thing and watch my wife open a box and not understand she pulled a Babe Ruth out of ten National Treasures jersey card. Wait, what? Yeah. And she a game worn jersey. And for her, like, I can explain to her and Hayden, I can explain the history of Babe Ruth in that moment. And we can share moments that transcend time, transcend generations before me. I never got to see Babe Ruth play, but I know it because I'm a baseball historian. And I get to tell the stories of Babe Ruth and how amazing he was and and all of those things to them because of this one card that comes out of this pack. You know, this piece of of what everyone likes to call cardboard that comes out. (laughs) But I'm holding a piece of history at that moment. I'm holding one of his game-used jerseys. What other other collecting thing can you do that you can say that? You know, and to me, that's, that's the coolness in watching a little kid open a pack and pull something big. Pull a Justin Herbert auto and it's his favorite player or pulling a Giants card or pulling that chase card that he's chasing. That's the smiles on those kids' faces is worth more than the money at the end of the day to me. You know, going home knowing that I did the community something to be proud of or did the community right that day by making a little little guy happy that he opened a Pokemon and pulled a Charizard, even though I have no idea what that is. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it looks like a dragon to me, bud. <laughs> but Look it up, seven but, grand yeah, yeah, But at the end of the day, it's watching the little guy walk out of here on cloud nine. That, to me, being a part of this, that's the exciting part. And those moments are the moments I want to multiply and have more of going forward. So, Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Two hours. We Perfect. Uh, hour 57, but two hours. Hey, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Of course, man. Yeah, this is really cool. This happened really quickly, too. I think we talked about it, like, on Friday, mm-hmm. and we're like, yeah, let's do it Sunday. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, thank you, George, for coming through. Yeah. Also known sure. as my unofficial agent. Thanks, Jorge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're booking him, man. <laughs> if you're trying to get on, hit us up. Yeah, hit George up. Hit George up for sure. Yeah, he somehow knows all the connects. Uh, if you guys have made it this far, thank you for listening. I appreciate it very much. Have a wonderful day. I'll be back soon, and we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.